I apologize now as we just started our podcast for the Hoopsville edition here on Sunday night. Uh, so we've missed a little bit about how Whitman and Rochester and the like got through, but we'll catch up on the podcast. It's a matter of hit and record sometimes. But um, thank you for those of you who do listen to the podcast. We know it's uh, exciting and, and fun, and we appreciate you taking the time. Again, Christopher Newport got past Swarthmore. Keen State, though, the win over Amherst and then beat Ramapo. Uh, Ramapo fans, uh, those of us trying to watch it, we had it on the whip around until it stopped. And I don't know what the reason behind the stoppage is. There could be a couple things. Uh, one, it was going, I think, through BoxCast. There's a chance the broadcast timed out. It's not very common from what I know, but maybe. There's also a chance that we were watching the stream and the broadcasters hit end, and no matter where any of us were in the stream, it stopped. There's also a chance the internet went down. I don't know which, but somehow the broadcast stopped just as Ramapo was inbounding the ball with about 16 seconds left in overtime. Long story short, they missed a, uh, well, they had the ball nearly stolen from them on the inbounds play and then missed a three-pointer at nearly the buzzer, about two seconds left, and couldn't corral the rebound. So Ramapo, despite winning the first game of the tournament, which is something the NJAC has struggled with, then bowed out in the second round. Keene State, for the second year in a row, is off to the second round of the NCAA tournament. We will talk to Ryan Kane, head coach, coming up on the show. Babson got through the weekend being uh, Husson, uh, and New Jersey City lost to Skidmore. Skidmore then lost to Babson. Pretty good game, 72-65. Skidmore played pretty well, darn well in that one. St. John Fisher got past St. Lawrence and then lost to Tufts. Tufts starting to look a little bit better again. Pileshi is back for them in the middle, and, uh, and that may be a deciding factor. But now Christopher Newport, Keene, Babson, and Tufts will play at Babson. Here's the interesting thing. If Ramapo had won their game, I don't see any reason this wouldn't have been at Ramapo because it was been a 500-mile trip for CNU and everybody else. So Ramapo missed a chance to be hosting the second weekend of the tournament by losing. Other side of the bracket, Middlebury, no surprise, easily, well, had a little bit more of a game with Farmingdale State, but then easily dispatched of Lycoming, 95-76. Endicott and Nichols pulled off the two upsets on the opening night. Really fascinating to see there. Nichols beat Newman at home, 96-93, and Endicott beat Salisbury at Newman, 71-68, and then Endicott took on their rivals in Nichols and just ended it. 111-75. And I'd argue it wasn't even that close. Endicott versus Middlebury will be a fascinating game. And I'll be at Middlebury. Susquehanna will play Williams. Susquehanna got past Madai and Eastern Connecticut. Williams dispatched a Becker. Scranton had to get past Oswego in overtime and then dispatched of the Royals. So Susquehanna and Williams at Middlebury. So two NESCAC teams in a NESCAC school. Excuse me. Uh, River Falls had to use double overtime to get past Bethel in one of the crazier pods. In the meantime, Wartburg said goodbye to the number 10th-ranked Benedictine Eagles, 92-66. And then Wartburg did to Benedictine, or to the River Falls, what they did to Benedictine. Beat them 76-43. They beat two top 10 teams by 59 combined points. And they were the sixth seed in the IIAC. They won the conference tournament as a sixth seed and then dispatched two top ten teams. The men's team's doing what the women's teams did last year. We'll talk to their head coach, Dick uh, uh, Paith, coming up here on the show, Wartburg's head coach. They'll take on Augustana. Talk about another crazy pod. St. Thomas and Augustana came down the end. St. Thomas had an eight-point lead with 40 seconds left in the game and lost. 
lost 77-74. Big shot from uh, Orange at the top of the key to win that one. In the meantime, Whitewater had a battle with Northwestern. We warned you Northwestern would be tough in the first round, and they won by four. Whitewater and Augustana then played each other, and Augustana did it again, and Orange hit another big shot. By the way, the greatest part of, the, of that was the end. The point guard brings the ball up the court for, for Augustana. Orange goes and just takes the ball from him, just takes it away from him and says, I will handle it, and handle it he did. Hit a 10-footer for the win. Whitewater got a shot at it, but it'd be nice if you could please uh, follow the video when you're the camera operator. That'd be wonderful. Thank you very much. Didn't see the final shot for Whitewater. We assume it was close. Hope got past Oshkosh. Oshkosh, the controversial at-large pick, gave him a game, 87-85. Wash U, holy cow. They were down to Rippon midway through the second half. They outscored Rippon 60-30 in the second half to come back and win by 15. Yeah, they were down 15. Unbelievable game, Rippon and Wash U. And that might have cost Wash U the next night because Hope beat them 94-80. Wash U did not look as good as advertised. I know there's going to be some fans who are critical of me of saying this, but I've been nervous about them top 25. I've had, I think, at number 9, number 10. I haven't loved what I've seen. They're a good team. Do not get me wrong. But by the standards we are used to, WashU wasn't there. And Hope beat them. And by the way, Hope, I didn't have confidence in Hope. Hope lost, what was it, two of the last three games? The women lost two in a row, and the men lost two of the last three. But both teams are on to the NCAA tournament in dramatic fashion, beating some really good teams. So that's how it works. And in the final team, Hanover beat North Central. To move on. Now, that will all take place at Hope. Why? Because Hanover and Warburg are too far apart. So they had to find either Augustana or Hope. I personally thought it would go to Hope. So did the committee. On the women's side, if you don't think it was crazy enough, it was pretty darn good on the women's side, by certainly by the women's standards. Amherst, well, no surprise, easily won their first-round game against Regis, but then got a bit of a game with Mary Washington. Mary Washington actually... Uh, uh, barely got past Sage, and then Amherst only beat Mary Washington by nine. That was a pretty darn good game. Babson, I'm impressed, got past Messiah, who I thought might win this. Babson then beat FDU Florham. No surprise there. I had said at the beginning of the week the winner of the Babson-Messiah game would probably get past FDU Florham. They did, but it took overtime. And by the way, apparently neither team for five and a half minutes near the end of the game wanted to score. The last three and a half minutes or last two and a half minutes and the next three and a half minutes of overtime, neither team got a point. It was it was a race to to boredom. <laughs> uh, Babson survived that 62-61. Mass Dartmouth, first ever NCAA tournament, and they're into the second weekend. They beat Montclair State. We had said Montclair was vulnerable, especially at home. And, and Mass Dartmouth did it, not only beating LaRoche, but then beating Montclair. Ithaca got past Rochester Tech. I thought RIT would win that, and RIT almost did. SUNY New Paltz beat Bowdoin, which was a surprise, and then SUNY New Paltz beat Ithaca to avenge an earlier season loss. We will talk to, to New Paltz's head coach, Jamie uh, Sheldon, coming up, but one of the things I noticed and one of the things I picked up on and that he discusses is the fact that their last loss of a really bad stretch of basketball was to Ithaca by 15. They have won 15 of the next 16, including a win over Ithaca on Saturday night. 
So New Paltz onto the Sweet 16. Ohio Northern got past Lakeland, then got past a pesky trine squad who had beaten Illinois Wesleyan. SUNY Geneseo got past Muhlenberg, even though they were down pretty big in the first half, and I think even big in the third quarter, came back to win that one. Rochester got past Keene State, but Geneseo dispatched of the Yellow Jackets. It's Ohio Northern versus SUNY Geneseo. We'll discuss where that one is going in a minute. Christopher Newport got past Staten Island far easier than I expected. Uh, and then beat Lynchburg far easier than I expected. Lynchburg had beaten Catholic. So Christopher Newport, with an 18-point win, moves into the second weekend. Thomas Moore, we will have a new champion for the first time in several years as Hope gave Thomas Moore its first loss since late November 2012 at home. Unbelievable. Beat him 74-67. Thomas Moore just looked not lost, but Hope was controlling that game. Really impressive game by the Flying Dutch. On the upper right, St. Thomas continues to click along, though they had a really good game with Chicago. Beat them 73-69. Marymount Saints, we said, could get out of that first weekend, and they will. Rematch of the 1996 Sweet 16 between St. Thomas and Marymount. See, even back then they had some crazy matchups. We will see that one coming up in Saint in Minneapolis. In the meantime, Whitman dispatched a Puget Sound for the second time in a week. They beat Puget Sound previous Saturday to win the conference title and qualify for the tournament. Whitman then beat George Fox 76-72 and beat Puget Sound 69-67. But that game came down to the end. Down three, Puget Sound can't get a shot to fall. They took a shot that was way too far away, well beyond NBA range, missed it. Ball comes loose, I think, or it actually went out of bounds. Inbounds play, stolen by Puget Sound, get the ball, put up a three, and are fouled at the buzzer. The difference was there was .4 on the clock, so they put everybody at the line, hits the first one, misses the second, goes to purposely miss the third, apparently did not realize, from what I could tell, that you need to hit the rim, hit the backboard flush, so it's a turnover. But it's not over. 0.4 on the clock. Turnover. Whitman's got to inbound it. They throw it up midway to court, midway up the court. George Fox steals it and still puts up a heave. Now it fell short, but it was just one crazy finish. And I said George Fox, I meant Puget Sound. So Whitman survives against Puget Sound. They will play Trinity, who got past a pesky Claremont Mud Scripps squad. Honestly, Trinity couldn't pull away until midway through the fourth quarter. Tufts, Tufts easily got past St. Joseph. It kind of surprised me. Husson beat DeSales, and then Tufts beat Husson, and that was not close. Scranton got past New England in a thriller of a game. Talking to Bobby Morgan of Haverford, the women's committee chair, she said she was watching Stevie Ray of Polly. She said she was fun to watch, didn't feel like she was taking too many shots. Uh, she just blew her mind. Stevie Ray put 43 points up for Polly at the long center in Scranton. We believe that sets a record for the building in women's basketball, and maybe both genders. Um, and then they went up against Scranton, and and by the way, Scranton barely even got in that game against New England. Remember, Scranton led for all of .6 seconds at the end. That's it. They were trailing the entire time. Finally hitting a three. One for 11 for me on the arc was their big star. Hits a three to, to basically win the game. Unbelievable game between Scranton and New England. And Polly Eastern Connecticut followed that up with an eight-point affair. And then Scranton beat Polly by 10. Polly certainly played well. It'll be Tufts versus Scranton. 
believe that's a rematch of last year's Elite Eight game, if I'm not mistaken. On the other side of that bracket, Oshkosh got past Kelvin by eight in a really tough affair and then dis- dispatched DePaul. DePaul didn't even stand a chance. They lost by 15, 64-49. Wash U clicked past St. Norbert and then beat Wheaton. And all of these games will go to Wash U. No surprise in my opinion. I know a lot of people are trying to make an argument for Tufts. Some were making an argument for Scranton, though Scranton was not in this conversation. Uh, it's, it wasn't going to happen once I re- realized Tufts and Scranton were too far apart. There were some making an argument for Scranton Tufts, so I talked to the women's committee chair. Here's the deal. Tufts was the number two regionally ranked team in their region. WashU was the number one regionally ranked team in their region. In all essence, this is an easy decision. WashU was also positioned in the bracket to be that number one. Um, now, they looked at the criteria, certainly, but WashU was one in their region and Tufts was two in their region. This decision is going to WashU. There's no flights affected because it's either two going to Tufts or t- two going to WashU. Easy decision. Now, in the other left-hand corner, excuse me, by the way, I should start in the upper right, St. Thomas versus Trinity, a, a, a good discussion in that one, too. It eventually went to St. Thomas mainly because they're undefeated. Over to the other side, the question came down because Thomas Moore was knocked out. They were essentially the top seed in that group between Ohio Northern and Geneseo. Ohio Northern is a two in that region, in their region. Geneseo was the one. There was a lengthy conversation, according to Bobby Morgan, a lengthy conversation by the committee about who this should go to. And it was rather relatively split. They eventually went to a vote. They were under the impression that the only team that couldn't get to Geneseo Without a flight was CNU, Christopher Newport, and that's by nine miles. So technically they could probably bring a bus. The committee certainly understood that. But technically it's a flight. So it's one flight no matter what. It's one flight to Ohio Northern no matter what. So they voted and they said, you know what, we're going to Geneseo. So the decision was made. They went to Geneseo. As we may know, or if you don't know yet, at that point, about a half hour after that decision was made and after the information had gotten out to the public and to the schools, the liaison realized there was a problem. The math that they use, the website that they use, the, the system that they use for the NCA to determine mileage indicated hope was less than 500 miles. I want to say it indicated about 460 some odd miles. The problem with that is it did not account for the fact that that is going through Canada. So hope would have crossed the border in Detroit and then crossed the border in Niagara Falls can't do that. And the reason we can't do that is you don't know who's got their passports and you can't cross through Canada anymore without passports. I know this from my family living up on the Canadian border, crossing into Canada and back into the United States is far more difficult than it used to be. Obviously pre and post 9-11. When they recalculated the math by forcing the drive south of the Great Lakes, it jumped and was significantly over 500. So the vote was nullified. The obvious decision was it goes to Ohio Northern, and that's where this goes. Now, I understand that people are going to be a little frustrated with this, and I understand the NCA screwed up. I agree. The NCA screwed up on this one. They should have had the mileage correct so that the committee doesn't make a bad decision. This decision doesn't take forever for them to make. It doesn't take 20 or 30 minutes or however long it takes. It takes a second because Ohio Northern's the obvious choice. Two flights to Geneseo, one flight to Ohio Northern, slam dunk decision made. I will give the NCA credit for this, though. This is not something that we noticed and told them was a problem. It's not something that somebody else noticed a day later and said, what the, you fill in the blank. 
this can't, we're going through Canada? And then they realize they got to move Hope to a different route. Now the mileage has gone too far. Now they got to fly them and, and they're scrambling. They found this within 30 minutes of making the decision. No, the decision should never have come. No, this is our moonlight decision. I, I wish I had an envelope to say, yes, we're going to Oswego. This is that kind of decision to change it later. But at least they found the mistake, fixed the mistake, and quickly solved the mistake. I feel bad for Geneseo. Geneseo thought they were hosting for about 30 minutes. I feel bad for Ohio Northern, who felt they got gypped being an undefeated team. And I get that. I will tell you again, though, the committee had voted for Geneseo. Sounds like it was a relatively split vote, but they voted for Geneseo. Geneseo was the one in the region, uh, and Ohio Northern was the two in their region. Remember, back to that Tufts-Washu conversation, one and two, and it went to the one. Same here, the one and two, but it was a long conversation, was split in hairs, and they went with the one. So it, so it stinks. We, we, get, we, we got bad info. The NCA made a mistake. They solved the mistake. There's egg on some people's faces, et cetera, et cetera. But this could be worse, couldn't it? Let's be honest. This could be wholeheartedly worse. As I notice my computer struggling a little bit, I'm hesitating. So I'm not going to overly complain and say, oh, my gosh, bad NCAA, because they did at least fix the problem quickly, right? At least they got it solved before it got out of control. So I'll take that as a win, at least, in this whole thing. I realize some others may completely disagree with me, but I at least feel that it, it, it could have been so much worse. And at least it's not. So we'll go with that. So that's why the women are heading to Ohio Northern. That's why they screwed up initially and said they're going to Geneseo. Make sense? Good, because we got a lot of show to talk about. We can come back to this at the end if you've got questions. Um, I thought I saw a Twitter, um, but I don't see it now. So we'll go on. One person says, why is Geneseo not hosting any anymore? Very confused. Pat Coleman answered it more than 500 miles for too many of the other schools, which we knew when we wrote last night's write-up. So again, that's the decision made, and it's unfortunate, but that's how it is. Going to take a break. Here are our guests coming up tonight. We will talk to New Pulse's head coach, talk to Marymount women's basketball, also talk to Keene State men's basketball, and on the also on the men's side, talk to Wartburg. Basically, the Cinderellas. Marymount maybe not doesn't fit the Cinderella slipper as well as the other three, but the other three certainly do certainly do fit it. So we'll talk to all four. For those of you wondering why we might not be talking to Hope or any of the others about some of the greatness of the weekend, we also have a Thursday show, and <laughs> we have to figure out. What's the best ones to talk to at the right time? I can tell you now, teams like Hope and the rest will be coming up on Thursday. But that's what we're going to talk to. New Paulson, Marymount women's basketball. We'll talk to Keene State and Wartburg's men's basketball. That's all coming up, and we start in the order that I just said. We will start with New Paltz and talk to them about an incredible run, not only in the NCAA tournament, but in the postseason. They're just having a good year. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. I want to thank D3Hoops.com and, of course, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, of course, the City of Salem as well, and George Fox University, who are advertising on the show for their support of this program. We get things underway with our interviews. Don't forget, if you want to email us or tweet us questions, information scrolling at the bottom, email us hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. We will try and answer your questions 
If not on air, which will probably happen closer to the end of the show, we will certainly answer your question, or we'll do our best to answer your questions through the medium in which you asked. Thank you so much. Let's go get talking to coaches. How about that, huh? Next up, we will get things rolling with New Paltz Women's Basketball. You'll listen to Hoopsville. Back with more after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. When George Fox University was founded in 1891, its creators envisioned two things a challenging educational experience, and a community where students could deepen their faith. 125 years later, the core of who we are remains unchanged, and our focus on the whole person, our be-known promise, remains as vibrant and relevant today as it was back then. At George Fox University, you'll never be a number. You will be known. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying the Sunday show here as we prep ahead to our sectional weekend and react to the first week of the NCAA tournament. If you've got questions for us, information scrolling at the bottom of your screen, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook Live. Join us on YouTube. We'll monitor all the chat rooms, do our best to answer all the questions that we can answer, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, mailbag segment, if we have enough questions, will come up at the end of the show. Uh, as well. A reminder, we'll be also back on the air Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern time. We can't talk to everybody participating uh, in the uh, the round of 16 because that's 32 teams. We'll certainly do our best. If we don't get to some of the guests tonight, we will get to them on Thursday. Going to start things off with one of the Cinderella's on the women's side. Uh, it would have to be SUNY New Paul's. If you haven't been paying attention, they pulled off a couple big wins to start things off in women's basketball. Not only did they win to get in in the first place, they had to beat Geneseo in the Suniac Championship just to qualify. But then they went off to beat an, a, a, a pretty good team in the NESCAC in Bowdoin, and then a team that beat them earlier this year, Ithaca, out of the, uh, out of the New York region, uh, the, the East region. What's their reward? Their first ever trip to the sectional weekend, and they will play Mass Dartmouth at Amherst. What does this all mean for the program? We bring in their head coach, Jamie Seward, on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, and Jamie joins us here now. Uh, Jamie, congratulations uh, to the program on what you guys have accomplished. 
Thank you, Dave, and thanks for, for having us. We, we really appreciate all you guys do for, for the exposure for our student-athletes, so um, uh, certainly appreciate you, you having us on here today. Well, thank you for the, for the kind words. It's, it's uh, an amazing run here. What we should note is you've won 15 of your last 16 uh, after a rough stretch uh, in the middle of the season. We'll talk about that later. Um, but you guys, the team's been on a roll here a little bit. Uh, took it right to, to Bowden in a nip-tuck game and seemed to control that one, and then kind of took it to Ithaca in a nip-tuck game and also in an odd way seemed to control that as well. Yeah, it's funny how both games, um, even though they were very different in the way that, that we ultimately played and, and were able to win them, they, they played out the same way. Mm-hmm. And we had a double-digit lead head into the fourth quarter and you know opened it up to, to teens and then somehow uh, found ourselves in a one-possession game with, you know, 10 seconds to go in both of them. So fortunately we were able to, to make some plays and make some free throws and, and get a stop here and there when we needed to and pull them both out because it was a lot of fun to do so. When you played Ithaca earlier this season, um, it was kind of during that stretch. It was actually the final game of what was that that rough stretch, and they pretty much handed it to you on their home court, 78-50. Uh, yeah, I know it when wasn't I was even that close, Dave. <laughs> well, that's a fair argument. <laughs> so seventy-eight fifty, maybe he's being a little kind. Um, I know when I read the stories about the the differences between now and then, the the quote was, "We're a different team now." But how are you a different team now? Because literally, that Ithaca game was the end of what ended up being the other part of your season. Yeah, I think a couple things happened. Um, one was we had, you know, we never doubted the talent we had. I mean, we had really high expectations coming into the season. Um, we thought we had, you know, the type of team that could make this type of run, to be quite honest. But um, I did a pretty bad job with this team. I did a really bad job with this team early on. And we, we were, um, you know, we just didn't have the, the, the right pieces in the right places. And uh, one, of our, one of our assistants, Colleen Ames, uh, who played for us last year, she uh, made a suggestion to, to put one of our, our freshman guards into the starting line, this lineup, Sandy Harris, a uh, freshman from Texas. And um, it kind of just balanced our, our personnel a little better, bit better. You know, it's odd in, in Division Three basketball to say you have, you know, too many big kids. Um, yeah. Usually you have, you know, too many guards. And um, But our team, you know, we just didn't quite fit well together. Um, but we had bigs who were, you know, pretty, pretty athletic and pretty mobile and, and pretty skilled. So, we thought we could make that work with them all playing together, but it just never really seemed to fit. So we made that adjustment, and I think that had a big part of it. And then um, I think we just kind of got refocused, and our leadership really took over and, and said, like, you know, this is this is what we have to do, and we're going to do it. And so really, uh, you know, credit to, to our coaching staff, um, our assistant coaches, and, and our players, and, and the head coach uh, trying, to, trying to stop screwing it up and get out of the way. <laughs> Since we're talking about that part of the season, let's focus there for a moment. Started the season 3-1, and one, had a win over Hartwick and Mount Union and Vassar in that group. Then you lost six of your last eight to be sitting 7-5 and five, or 5-7 five and seven on the season, and that last game again was the Ithaca game. You talk about getting out of the way in a sense and, and letting the team kind of you know, develop into what they were. You've won 15 of your next 16. That is night and day different. Is there more going on than just saying you're getting out of the way of this team? You know, again, uh, real credit to the players. They, you know, we, we said we don't, we're not going to, you know, we made some adjustments. We made a couple adjustments, as I said, personnel-wise. We also made a couple adjustments defensively. Not major things, not huge changes, but just adjustments. And then um, offensively, we added a couple things that we thought fit us better. Um, you know, it's funny. We had, we have a, an interesting team in our makeup in that we have three seniors, 
Um, two of them have played for all four years, and they've, you know, been through a lot, been, you know, through played a lot of different games, a lot of different uh, styles, played in the NCAA tournament last year. Um, but then we have no juniors. We had a couple injuries, and then we had two sophomores, and we had six freshmen, and five of them are in a rotation. So I think a lot of it was the development of the young, the young players, and, you know, it took them some time. And, and they played well for us, but I think – that the upperclassmen, mainly the seniors, because that's all we really had is upperclassmen, mm. they were really trying to do probably a little bit too much um, because they knew that we had so much inexperience um, in the in that freshman group that was playing as much as they were and having to play the, the large roles they were. So um, I think that, that that probably had a lot to do with it. And, um, you know, I, I think the, the biggest thing, though, was the, the tweaks that we made. Um, they weren't hugely significant, but they, they helped. But it was really just the understanding of the players to stay with what we were doing and that we we're going to continue to improve if we did that. And it's easily said, but it's, it's a lot more difficult to actually do that when you're going through and you're not getting the results that you want and putting all that work. So, you know, credit to them for really sticking with what we were trying to do. And, and, you know, they, they started to see some results as, as January wore on. And then I think we started to get pretty confident after that. And not to not to be you know cruel or anything, but nothing on the stat sheet jumps out at me as being a significant stat. You're you're shooting thirty five percent from the floor. Your opponents are shooting thirty three uh, percent better. Your free or three point shooting is twenty nine percent. Free throws sixty eight percent. You're out rebounding your opponents by one and a half, but you're you have less assists and you have twice as many turnovers. Um, it, it just, except for scoring, which you're, you're not allowing 59 or you're allowing 59 points and scoring 65 and a half. The statistics of this don't jump out. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing that says, mm-hmm, Oh, they're a hot shooting team. Or, uh, maybe it does say that you're a pretty darn good defensive team, but th- the stats say there's more flaws than, than positives. Granted, the first half of the season may have had a lot to do with that, but what has been the key that we're not seeing statistically that is statistics that that's been helping this run. Well, I think, you know, you mentioned part of it. If you really broke down the first 12 games versus the last, whatever it is now, 16 games, you would see a, a pretty distinct difference in, in the way that we've shot the ball. You know, we've always, we always believed that we were a good shooting team, but you know, we, we struggled. I mean, we were at one point we were shooting, I think 21% from three Oof. and barely over 30% for the season. And um, again, a lot of that had to do with not putting the right pieces in the right places and, and then, um, you know, I think once we started getting more comfortable with what we were doing, we started to, to see the results of, of the, the, the talent that we really do have. And, you know, last night being a good example, I and mean, we shot nine for 15 from three last night and 50% for the field from a game. And, you know, I don't think you do that at this point in the season because everybody you're playing, you know, we, even if they're not the, the best defensive team, if, you know, whatever they might be, they're, you know, everybody's got to be pretty good in all aspects to get to this point. So um, I think we are a better shooting team than – then the stats say that um, would would actually lead because if you looked at those last half of the season versus the first half, um, and I say that now, and we'll probably go out there and shoot twenty percent the <laughs> on Friday. But but the good thing is, and, and we said this actually said this to the team before the game yesterday that you know on Friday we won, we out rebounded them by I think eighteen or something like that, and mm-hmm. you know didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Um, we came in, the game plan was to, to take care of the ball because we knew Bowdoin was going to really pressure us in the half court as well as some full court, and we turned it over 26 times, so clearly that didn't work, but we, <laughs> you know, we did other things, and that's what we said to him before the game yesterday. We don't have to win a certain way, and I think that might be what we do best is being able to kind of tailor our game plan to what you know, we have to do to beat a particular team instead of just, you know, this is how we play, this is who we are. You know, we have a lot of different ways. We can score inside. We can score from the perimeter. Um, we can defend. We can force some turnovers if we feel like that's something that, that you know, we could take advantage of an opponent. Um, so I think that we have uh, a lot of different ways to, to win, and, and I think that helps, as, especially as you get to, 
you know, NCAA tournament type of play where you're playing a lot of different teams who have a lot of different styles of their own. So, um, you know, as they say in boxing, styles make fights. And mm. I think we have that, that ability to play, you know, a little bit of a different way that may be able to, to, to be difficult for that specific opponent instead of this is just who we are. When you uh, look at what you guys did, it almost feels like uh, it better be better to win ugly than not win at all to some degree. I mean, it can be pretty, it can be Absolutely. ugly, but as long as you have a W, that's all that really matters. Absolutely. I think one of our one of our players said that in the post game press conference last night. <laughs> something that we we kind of like we we've said that before. Let's go make it ugly. So, well, absolutely. If it works, um, and again, you're you're playing with house money at this point. Uh, you beat Geneseo just to make it into the tournament, a one point win. You beat Bowden in the first round, a one point win, and you beat Ithaca in the second round, a three point win. You've got Mass Dartmouth, kind of another Cinderella, sitting on the other side of this bracket in Amherst. Um, yeah, and if the team's got to be on cloud nine just with the simple fact that you've got nothing to lose at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly certainly true, and I think, you know, more true from the outside looking in because, again, we have, you know, we've had high expectations from the beginning of the season with this group. So while I certainly understand anybody looking in saying that, you know, this is, this is a, you know, a couple upsets or a Cinderella story, you know, we, we really felt like, um, you know, we were going to beat Geneseo. I mean, we've, had some success over against them. We, we beat them three times last year. And, you know, even though they beat us twice earlier in the year, you know, our seniors have, have had a pretty good record of against them. They've had a winning record over their career. So I think that they thought that, you know, we were coming together at the right time and we thought we had a pretty good chance uh, to win that one. And, and we knew we had a really good Bowden team that we were going to have to play our, you know, our best game of the year against. And, you know, we, we did some things really well. And, you know, that's what we keep saying is, you know, we, we win a game and then say, you know what, we didn't really play our best game. And so that's exciting because I think we still are improving and, and I think there's still some room for, for some more improvement. It's, it's just a really fun team to be around too. So, um, you know, the opportunity to go out there and practice again this week and, and continue to get better is, is really exciting ideas as well. Has your program, at least when you've been there, ever been up to Amherst? Yeah, we went there, um, I don't know, probably 2009 in there. They had a I think it was a tip-off tournament or something, so we, we played up there. But it was several years ago, so none yeah. of these players have ever been there. Just curious uh, on, on whether the, the Lafrac is, is familiar with people. It's not too far away. Um, I assume you'll get some good fan support. How have how has the community been responding so far? Yeah, it's been great. Um, you know, with uh, with every with every game, you know, you uh, you know your, your phone after the game, you got eighty something text messages, <laughs> and you spend the entire dinner trying to get back to people. Um, and we've had a, a great group of uh, parents who, who have uh, traveled, and you know a bunch of our players were talking last night that, that uh, several alums are planning on coming um, this next this next round. So it should be fun. Um, when you look at how far this team has come, you talk about the three seniors and Kit Small, Morgan uh, Rossler, um, and and Courtney Irby. You talk about the two that have been there the longest. We're talking about a six and something season. I think their freshman mm -hmm. campaign, if yeah. I remember. They, they don't like to talk about that. Um, I'm sure they don't, and I don't plan to, but, I mean, I do want to point out, I mean, that's where we've come with this program. Um, how much has this meant to them? How much – you kind of hinted at it. How much have they kind of taken the bull by the horns? No, they they absolutely have. I mean, they came in – you know, we had we had won our, our league and gone to the NCAA tournament the year before they came in. And then, you know, we had we knew we were graduating – three like kind of all-time type of players out of our program but then we had a couple other kids leave for different reasons and um it was like the perfect storm that left us with a pretty depleted roster and and kit and courtney as freshmen were you know arguably our, arguably our best players 
Um, and I, you know, it's, it's tough when you're coming in as freshmen to carry a team like that. So, um, you know, but the, the experience that they gained having to do what they've done. And I told them, you know, early in this season, like you guys have done the exact same thing you're doing now for four years. You know, you, in that sense, you have more experience than anybody in the country. I mean, there may be other people who played in, you know, more NCAA tournament games and deeper into the NCAA tournament. But as far as playing the role that you're playing, I can't imagine there's too many people that have played the same role for four years. And so I think that that's, you know, clearly helped them. But we had a great leader last year in uh, Goldie Harrison, and we had a couple other seniors who were tremendous leaders and really strong and tangible kids. And I think that, you know, it took some time for them to find their own groove as leaders and, and really, you know, as you said, take the bull by the horns and, and understand what they needed to do with such a young team to get them, you know, to the point that they're, you know, ready to, to not only play but, but to understand, you know, what it means to, to have to compete on, on this level night in, night out. Well, Coach, congratulations um, on, on a terrific run here. The Hawks have certainly uh, uh, turned some heads, as it were, not only winning the SUNYAC title, but then, you know, beating some pretty good basketball teams in the opening weekend. We wish you luck. I know you haven't looked that much at Mass Dartmouth, so I'm certainly not going to expect a scouting no, I was report. I ask you what, what you what you could tell me about them. Um, you, you probably know a lot more about it than I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're they're a pretty good squad, kind of in the same boat you guys are. First ever tournament, though. That's the difference. Uh, but they've knocked off some good teams too. So yeah, absolutely, it should be a fun game at Amherst. Uh, we're looking forward to it as always. Though we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, just to, to echo what I said earlier that, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, we're so appreciative of what you guys do, um, with D3 hoops and with Hoopsville and, you know, to give the exposure to these student athletes who put so much time in and, and then just to, you know, a shout out to our team. I mean, it's a, it's a fun team to be around. I mean, whether we're, we're playing games before games, I mean, a, a story that I would like to share real quickly, if yeah. you don't mind, that I think really encapsulizes our team is uh, before the, the conference championship game, we were in the hotel trying to kill some time. And so we were playing family feud and, you know, they getting so into it because they're just competitors who are competing in the moment and the game ends. And I was like, all right, let's go win a championship. And one of them's like, Oh, I forgot that's today. And I think that really just, you know, tells the story of what kind of players that we have. They're just competitive kids who, who, you know, in the moment go and compete at whatever they're doing. And it's the kind of team that, that we've always uh, wanted to build here. And, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. So we just hope that we can keep it going. And we're excited to have a chance to, to go back to practice on Monday. As long as she or they remember to put the shoes on, lace them up in the jersey, I think you're good to go. <laughs> we hope. Sometimes that's the issue, too. But <laughs> we won't get into those ones. <laughs> I hear you. Well, congratulations. Thanks for taking the time to join us. And good luck next weekend. Thank you, Dave. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, Jamie Seward joining us from New Paltz. I should mention, we didn't get a chance to talk about it. He's ex- uh, His wife is expecting any day now their second child. So you don't think he's got enough distractions with the tournament. He's certainly got enough at home. Uh, but congratulations to him, to his team, and, of course, to his family as well. They are 20-8 and eight overall. Uh, they've got Mass Dartmouth coming up in the uh, sectional round of the NCAA tournament. When we come back, we'll talk to another team who's playing very good basketball and under the radar. I warned you about Marymount, told you they could get out of the first weekend, and they have. We'll talk to their head coach, Ashley Rogers, coming up about the Saints and how far can they go. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville when we return. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. 
My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we're rolling along. Lots to talk about continually on this show, and we will get to more of it. I know you've got questions. We tapped into the entire, um, <laughs> let's call it, moonlight debacle of Division Three basketball in the first block. We'll talk more about it later on. Uh, some of our interviews are pre-taped today just due to schedules, so um, bear with us if we're not getting right to that topic again. Uh, trust me, we have plenty of time later in the show to get back to the topic at hand. I'm sure lots of people have more questions about it and in general. So we'll continue on. Uh, a reminder, if you have questions, we have the information scrolling at the bottom of your screen, or at least flashing there, email, Twitter, Facebook Live, and YouTube. Please take the time. Continuing with our Cinderella-esque um, uh, theme, uh, theme of the show, you know, survive in advance, as it were, and certainly those teams who have surprised people by surviving in advance, or at least made a good showing on the road. When we continue to talk about the women's team, got to talk about the Marymount Saints. If you've been listening to the show, or certainly you've been a fan over the last few weeks, you've heard me say, watch out for Marymount. Very strong finish to the season. Got up into the regional rankings. Certainly have given uh, Christopher Newport and, and Mary Washington all that they can handle. And they're still in the NCAA tournament. They got assigned to Guilford, and I said early on, don't be surprised if they come out of this weekend. They have come out of this weekend with wins over the home team Guilford in the opening round and then a solid performance against Mid-Atlantic foe Albright in the second round. Now, they'll face number two St. Thomas next weekend, but let's talk about this weekend for starters. And we go back to the City of Salem Hoopsville hotline. And joining us on there is Ashley Rogers, head coach of Marymount. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville and congratulations. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolutely appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we should mention pre-tape just got off the bus from North Carolina. Um, I mean, I had confidence looking at uh, at the matchups and how you guys had finished the season, but I'm just a, a guy who sits behind a microphone and a camera and talks. Did you guys have confidence going into this weekend that this was the type of setup for you that you could get out of the weekend as well? Well, we gained confidence with how we had been playing at the end of the season. And we were grateful that the committee recognized um, that we, you know, we should have received an at-large bid. So, you know, we were grateful that we had new life 
and, um, you know, seeing where we were going, who we were, we were going up against. I mean, we knew it would be tough and it would be very challenging, uh, Guilford being the ODAC champions and um, Albright winning their regular season, going undefeated in their conference. Um, and then, honestly, I didn't know too much about Piedmont. Um, but we felt that it was definitely doable for us. And um, we had two fantastic games at Guilford. Mm. Um, I mean, it was back and forth in, in both of them, a bunch of different runs. And, you know, we feel fortunate in some ways to come out with the win against both of them. But, um, you know, they definitely didn't make it easy. Um, but definitely the confidence, we gained a lot of confidence from how we've been playing at the end of the season. And it just has carried over into the tournament. Yeah, 10 of your last 11 have been wins, 14 of your last 16. You only have five losses on the season, and three of them have come in conference. Mm-hmm. And all three of those, two very good teams, Mary Washington and Christopher Newport, you split the regular seasons with and then lost to Mary Washington the second time in the semifinals in, in, a, in a barn burner of a game. And I don't mean that by the score. I just mean it was close. Yeah. Uh, 56-54 is not necessarily uh, lighting up the building. Um, <laughs> so the CAC, once again, and we had thought that this was going to be a strong conference, four teams deep at least with York playing a role. But it certainly seemed to you guys, or at least for you guys, to be a, a confidence builder and, and almost a strength outside of of Frostburg State, which was a bit of an anomaly in late January. You were really rolling through this conference, and not really anybody was noticing. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know about rolling through. We definitely, um, you know, each game that we that was next, we really just tried to focus on that game. Um, the Frostburg game, while you don't want to, um, you know, lose any games, uh, I think that that was a really good eye-opening game for our team in that um, it reminded us that we couldn't take anybody for granted and not that we do. I just think that the girls had an off night and realized that we can't afford to do that. Um, and I think that, if anything, that gave the girls in our team a sense of urgency that I thought that we had been lacking in a lot of ways, which I think helped really motivate us um, after that um, because we did go on a, on a winning streak. We, you know, we beat Newport at Newport. Um, then we had York at home who was um, in fourth place at the time. Um, then we followed up with having Mary Washington at home and um, we beat them. Um, and, you know, then we went to Penn State Harrisburg and won, and you know this—it didn't work out in our favor as far as you know being regular season champs. But you know we did everything in, at the end of the season that we could as far as we won the last four games. It just wasn't enough to, you know, propel us into first. But um, I think that that Frostburg game was really eye-opening for our girls, and you know while it was unfortunate to get that loss, it really motivated us and pushed us uh, to get us where we are today. Um, it seems like every team at about this season who gets onto a run has one of those um, uh, line games that is kind of the line in the sand. Um, granted, it was at Frostburg, and everyone knows, at least in this region, that going to Frostburg is anything but the easiest thing to do, especially coming out of your neck of the woods. You're going to have to deal, deal with a few roads that are going to be backed up, um, no matter what time of year it is or what season. So I can, we can see some of the reasons as to why that game went south, but it, it does feel like it, the game was a line. Is that one of those where you come back as a team and even the players are going, hey, wait a minute, this isn't what we're supposed to be doing? Or is that one of those games you have to turn to the team and say, hey, 
we've been talking about X and we did Y. Can we get back to playing X? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was definitely a combination of both. Um, I mean, not to take anything away from Frostburg. I mean, they had a great turnaround year in our conference, finishing fifth. Um, you know, they gave a lot of teams in our conference um, some issues. Um, but at the end of the day, we, you know, we, we go into games having the confidence that if we play the way we're capable of playing, we will come out successful. And I think that that was eye-opening for us in that we didn't play our style of play, um, and we took that night off. And I think that while I did have, you know, a talk with the girls about getting back on track and reminding them of the goals that we set at the beginning of the year, it really didn't take much of, you know, me having to tell them it really came from within them. Um, you know, we we don't have a lot of uh, experience in a lot of ways on our team. You know, I mean, we have four girls from the team last year that got a lot of time um, in, a, in the little run that we had, making it to the second round of NCAAs. Um, so we have a nice core and u- nucleus with them. But, I mean, we have six freshmen on the team, and we only have a roster of 11. Yeah. So, you know, for those freshmen to really understand what's going on and what this all means, it has to come from our one senior, our two juniors, and our two sophomores. So, you know, I give them a lot of credit, um, especially for you not being put in this, you know, position in, in the past as, you know, 20-year-old young women coming together and saying, we can do better. We can't let this happen again. If we really want to meet our goals, you know, we want to make it to NCAAs, um, we've got to get back on track with, you know, our game plan. And, and we did that. Yeah, you kind of head in the next direction I had was you have 11 players on this team. Five of them have played in every game. Six of them have played in in all but one game. Then there's a steep drop-off. So you don't necessarily go to your your bench a ton. You don't have a ton of depth, at least on paper. Your three leading scorers are all in double figures. You have a fourth one who's knocking on the door along with a fifth. And then there's a steep drop-off. This this isn't exactly one of those teams that is – you know, prototypical in the sense of you got a, a good bench, you got a deep bench, you got 15 to 20 players. There's a lot of, of challenges here, but it seems like you're almost thriving off of them. <laughs> um, I would agree in some ways that, you know, we're not your um, typical team that you see on paper with, you know, a, a 24 and 5 record. Um, we, we don't have a lot of depth. Um, we kind of all are right around. 5'9 to 5'11 on the roster on average on a good night, I think. And, um, you know, I do have a really strong five um, that start and give us a lot of minutes. And we have a couple girls that, you know, are giving us some quality minutes off the bench. But when you only have 11, um, you, know, you can only go so far. We, we've had um, some issues. We've, we've got someone out with a concussion. We've had some um, of our other girls at the end of the bench with some um, nagging issues. Um, and we actually want, lost one of our players uh, this semester to a rare condition called Chiari malformation. And, um, and actually, she just had brain surgery two weeks ago. Ooh. So we've been dealing a lot, not just on the court, but off the court. And you talk about what has been motivating and inspiring for this team. Um, it's been the fight that uh, our you know, one of my players, Claire McNulty, has been going through with that. And, you know, it has just brought us closer together. And every day, you know, we talk about playing for Claire, playing for Claire. And that has been a real driving force behind, you know, this push in the last, you know, month and a half with everything that's kind of um, come to a head with what she's been dealing with. 
Um, so, you know, there's really more behind the story than just, you know, those 11 on the roster. It's, you know, who we who we remind ourselves who we play for every day. And it's, you know, not just each other, but, you know, specifically for Claire. And, um, you know, she's one of the kids that's tough and passionate. And we remind ourselves every day that we want to play with that same type of toughness and passion that she plays with. So, you know, um, we aren't your typical team that you see at this point in the year, um, but I think that could speak volumes of a lot of Marymount teams that have gotten to this point. Fair point, fair <laughs> um, point. So, you know, it, it's part of the tradition that we talk about every day. Um, you know, it's what was instilled in me as a player under Coach Finney, um, and, you know, I still um, – I. I you know, a lot of my philosophy, a lot of the stuff that I do, it, it has come from what I've learned from him while, you know, adding some new twists and turns to to what we, uh, you know, our game plan and everything and, and my philosophy. So, um, you know, while I think that you could say, hey, they, they really only play five for close to 40 minutes, they go to a couple people off the bench, um, those five – the starting five are really tough. I mean, you can't just say, oh, we, we got Marymount one or two players. I mean, like you said, they're all scoring right around the same. So, I mean, and they're all capable of going off and having 20-point nights. So what has made us, I think, um, a quality team at this point in the year is that we're just clicking. We have really strong team chemistry, and the girls are really feeding off of one another. Um, and, and I'm playing for Claire at the end of the day. Um, fascinating, obviously, across the board with a lot of this. You're not unfamiliar. You hinted at it there with Coach Finney and certainly a lot of trips in the postseason and deep runs. You're not all that familiar. You were you were kind of with the heyday of Marymount. Four postseasons when you were a player, at least the Sweet 16 on two occasions, Elite Eight once and the Final Four on another occasion. Can you tap into any of that, though, uh, and be able to relate that to the players? Or is it because it's a new experience technically for them? I know they got to the second round last year, but you know, moving on, do you almost have to let them experience it on their own? Is there any way you can help, or is this is this kind of they need to they need to experience it like you did? Um, you know, I try to, uh, you know, I, I they obviously know my history. They know that you know uh, I went to Marymount, you know, and, and played in four NCAA made four NCAA appearances. We went as far as the Final Four. Um, and, you know, when I talk to them about it and I tell them the stories, um, I think that they see the, the passion that I played with. And I think they see the passion I played with just through the way that I coach as well. Um, but I do, at the end of the day, as much as I can tell them, uh, you know, about the good old days, they really do have to experience it themselves in a lot of ways. And, boy, are they getting a great experience right now. Um, but, you know, they're reminded every day that they walk into the gym. You know, they look up on the far, the far wall, and from one end to the next, it's just banner after banner. <laughs> so, you know, they realize that there's a legacy and that they have a tradition to live up to and a tradition that they want to live up to. Uh, heading to St. Thomas next weekend. I know you haven't had enough time to start scouting the uh, Tommies who are undefeated and ranked number two in the country. But has the team reacted to that yet? Is is there is there a concern that just the numbers and the info alone can cause a little bit of a deer in the headlight look? Um, you know, at this point, we're really focusing on just enjoying the journey and taking it one game at a time. Yeah, you're correct. I have not gotten to really look into um, St. Thomas that much, but yeah, I mean, they have 
really, you know, strong record and what they've been able to do under their coach um, is phenomenal. Um, I know that they have an All-American center um, that I think, you know, could create some issues for us because she seems to be creating issues for everybody all year. Um, but, you know, we, we went to Guilford this weekend and we were able to, you know, we opened up with the host team. We were able to beat them. Um, you know, we're 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 staying positive you know it's not going to be easy by any means uh we're up for the challenge and and we're looking forward to it uh obviously a trip to minnesota uh, is on tap so a great experience for the student athletes no matter how this turns out uh we've mentioned bill finney a few times he's a fan of the show i've known him for many many years yeah. um i'm kind of curious though is he harassing you too much because if he is we can take care of this <laughs> Well, that's good to know. I wish I had known that the last few years. Um, no, you know what? Coach Finney has actually done a really great job of finding that balance. He really um, has kind of left me alone during the season. He, um, When we found out that we were, you know, we made the NCAA tournament, we were heading down to um, Guilford, he actually called my assistant, who is a, one of his former players mm-hmm. as well, and um, he didn't. He didn't even really reach out to me. He he didn't want to bother me, as she put it. So he bypassed um, you. But it was a nice surprise. It was great seeing him. I mean, it's not like it was right around the corner from him. He still had to drive, you know, five hours to get there. Um, but I think he's spending a lot of time on his golf game these days. So he doesn't really want to be picking up the phone either. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can understand that. But I suspect at any moment now my inbox is going to get hit. Uh, I, I have a feeling once he figures out you're on the show, he's going to be tuned in. Um, Coach, congratulations on an absolutely tremendous run here. Um, I, I, to those of us who know the region, I don't think it's that surprising. Uh, to others out there, it may be, but you've got a great opportunity this weekend, certainly, at St. Thomas, and we wish you luck. Um, and nice to see the Marymount flag once again flying in the NCAA tournament's second weekend. Um, in the meantime, though, just pace Kyle, if you don't mind. I think he's going to start losing his mind here a little bit <laughs> okay. um, in the crossover season. In the meantime, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to uh, share with those who may be tuning in? Dave, I just want to thank you um, for all that you do for us in Division Three basketball. Um, you do an amazing job of just getting the information out there and um, you know we're just really grateful for all the time and energy that you put into it so thank you well thank you coach i appreciate the kind words uh good luck safe travels um we know it's a nice flight it's not too hard from dc to st thomas but uh at least enjoy it and we'll look forward to talking to you somewhere somewhere down the road okay thanks dave take care thank you ashley rogers joining us on the city of salem hoopsville hotline again trip to uh minneapolis coming up uh for the saints but that should be a fun one for them Don't count them out just because St. Thomas is number two. Just do not count them out. Should be a lot of fun to see how this team uh, performs next weekend. In the meantime, uh, doing very well and representing the Capital Athletic Conference well as well. We should mention Mary uh, Washington uh, gave Amherst quite a bit of a game uh, in the second round. Hats off to the Eagles. They may have lost, but I I think a lot of people thought that uh, would have been a bigger uh, deficit. And hats off to Christopher Newport women, who uh, continue on as well, playing very well. The CAC certainly uh, showing up in the NCAA tournament. When we come back, we'll switch gears, start talking some men's basketball. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. Educate your student body, faculty, staff, and local community on how to prevent sexual assault and how to support survivors. 
to recognize that non-consensual sex is sexual assault, to identify situations in which sexual assault may occur. To intervene in situations where consent has not or cannot be given. To create an environment in which sexual assault is unacceptable and survivors are supported. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. At George Fox University, our promise is that every student will be known, personally, academically, and spiritually. To be known means professors and staff know you by name. It means you're valued, encouraged, and challenged. It means we'll listen to you and with you as you pursue God's call in your life. At George Fox University, you will never be a number. You will be known. Visit georgefox.edu to learn more. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. I actually have a couple questions that I've either individually gotten back to, but I'll certainly answer also on air later, or we've got more on the way. So please don't be afraid. We've got a few more interviews, and then we'll get to a bunch of your questions since I know they're coming up. Um, when it comes to Cinderella in the Division Three basketball tournament, the last two years, there's only one name that seems to be pretty synonymous with it. It's Keene State. Um, last year, they got into the tournament and said, well, hello, and pretty much ruined the NJAC um, weekend by beating Stockton in overtime 72-71, then beat a NESCAC team, Middlebury, 74-72 in the second round. The irony? They did it again, but in reverse order. This time, they defeated Amherst in the opening round of the NCAA tournament, uh, 70, or sorry, 69-66, and then ruined the NJAC's day in overtime against Ramapo, 92-91, in a crazy game. Their reward, they're both times going on to the Sweet 16, and both times will face Christopher Newport. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the aforementioned um, Keene State Owls. It is Ryan Kane who joins us. And, and coach, first and foremost, I got to say for the second time, uh, congratulations. But I'll admit, this is getting a little old. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, when you guys got into the tournament and said, listen, here we are again, you know, obviously we've been here before. And you saw that you had a monster of a team, at least historically in Amherst, and potentially Ramapo on the other side. Was this, okay, we've got a challenge, or, ha, we've done this before? <laughs> you know, um, I think our guys really embrace uh, this time of year. 
you know, this time of year, um, you know, I think you can see a different level that our team is capable of playing at. You know, obviously throughout the season, I think we had some ups and downs. We had some high moments with some good wins, and we had some low moments with some bad losses. But when tournament time comes around with this group of guys, there's just something that comes out of them in terms of the way they play, you know, the confidence, uh, the way they embrace the moment, uh, the effort and intensity that they play with on both ends of the floor, really. It's something special. It's led to a lot of success over the last three years when it's mattered the most. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll talk about the season just a little bit, how, how it's kind of up and down. But you know, once again, it's like the light, bright lights come on and the Owls don't close their eyes. They kind of step up to the plate and take you on. Let's talk about the Amherst game. Amherst has been reeling. Eight, and, of, uh, eight wins, six losses in 2017 before facing you guys. Uh, it was a, a nip and tuck game, low scoring as expected. But what do you think you could get out of that game? What do you think you could take advantage of, which you obviously ended up doing, to, to get past the, the former Lord Jeffs? Yeah, I mean, obviously I think everyone knows Amherst is extremely talented and they're very skilled and shoot the ball really, really well. Um, so obviously going into it, we knew at times they were going to make some shots, they are going to make some tough shots. They're a team that you can play great defense against, and no matter how good of defense is you, that you play, they're going to score it anyway. Um, so what we were looking to do is try to make shots as tough as possible. You know, if you're going to make the threes and take the threes, make them challenge threes and try to make them shoot a you know, reasonably low percentage. Offensively, you know, we wanted to try to make it as fast of a game as we could make it. You know, obviously, you know, we had some limited success there. I think we found a way to get some easy baskets. But we just wanted to make sure we got a shot every time we touched it. And I think for the most part, we executed pretty well, got some decent looks, probably didn't shoot as well as we would have liked on some of those, you know, pretty good chances. But I thought on both ends of the floor, we pretty much, you know, accomplished a lot of things that we were looking to accomplish, but still had to make the plays late. You know, Amherst had a five-point lead late in the game, um, you know, just because, you know, they are who they are and they're so disciplined and they execute so well. Uh, but we were fortunate to make the plays late and I think a great opportunity in the first round to learn a lot about your team. And then talk about a polar opposite, taking on the roadrunners of Ramapo. There is nothing about Ramapo's style or Amherst's style that is anywhere near each other similar. Uh, they are they are literally polar opposites. Um, and I was fascinated that, you know, I thought Ramapo certainly played their game, but you guys just wouldn't go away. It, it, it seemed like every time they made a push, you re, you responded. Every time they pulled away, you closed the gap. Um, I wouldn't say from the bit I watched, and I can't say I watched the whole thing, that you guys controlled things, but I was really impressed that you just never wavered. Yeah, I mean, the, the impressive thing to me was we didn't get caught up in that environment at all. Yeah. I mean, that's that's got to be the best environment that we played in all year. I mean, what a home court advantage they have. What an environment they play in front of. What support. You know, it's really impressive to see on their end. Yeah. But our guys just kept plugging away, and specifically late. You know, I think with about 11 or 12 minutes left, right after we went on our run to close the gap after they had the lead for an extended period, you know, there was it was back and forth the entire time. You know, we'd tie it up, we'd take a lead, they'd come back, and it went back and forth really for the last 11, 12 minutes and all the way through into overtime. Um you know, they, they definitely play a different style than Amherst, but I think one of the things about our team that I really appreciate is because of the effort and intensity that we play with, I think we're adapted playing multiple styles. So we can play fast with teams, but we can also at times get into a half-court game and, uh, you know, really lock down defensively, and we have the talent on offense if we play discipline to get a good shot against teams that want to play slow and we can, you know, go a little bit more up-tempo, play fast with teams that want to get up and down. I'm really not sure what the answer to this question could be, but was, you know, last year you played uh, an up-and-down type team in Stockton in the opening round, then played Middlebury, which is 
certainly a little bit more high pace than Amherst. Uh, they're willing to, to, to go up pace as well, but still a little bit more of a half-court team. This time around, you played that that half-court team in the first round, that up-and-down team in the second. And, and we all know the second round, you have far less time to prep. Uh, granted, you have somebody who's assigned to it, but the team certainly doesn't get to prepare. Which one was more beneficial? I mean, you, you came out with wins at both times, but I'm just curious, which one's more beneficial for your team or in your style? And was Ramapo's style maybe good not to prep for? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, one of the advantages that we had last year in the tournament when we played Middlebury in that second round, we had played Middlebury earlier in the regular yeah. season. We played him at home. And, uh, you know, it was a tough game. We didn't play our best, but Middlebury, I thought, played really well that day. They beat us by about 10. Uh, but we thought we could have done a lot of things better that day. So I think it gave our guys in that quick turnaround a lot of confidence that we had the opportunity to at least compete with them if we played our best. Um, so a lot different this year, you know, you know, given the fact that we were playing, you know, whoever it was going to be in both games, new teams that we're not familiar with. Um, so, you know, in terms of the way Ramapo plays, uh, they went away from their press a little bit early in the game. They didn't press us to start the game. Obviously, they tried to play at their tempo but it wasn't like they gave us a lot of pressure in the full court. So in terms of the style of play, it was pretty similar to what we see in the Little East pretty consistently. You know, we play these teams in the Little East Conference. You know, I think one of the best conferences in New England. A lot of huge wins out of our conference this year. And the style that we play is that up-and-down style. You know, a lot of pressure. A lot of guys on the court that can make plays. We have teams with good size inside that can score the ball inside and out with different guys. So I think it was a style that we were used to playing. So in that sense, I, I do think there was some benefit to playing Ramapo second on that short turnaround. Of course, for most of the fans who are watching the game, unfortunately, we didn't get to see the end. Uh, I have seen the video online. Uh, we have tweeted it out, if anybody's looking for it, of how it came down at end. You nearly got the steal at midcourt, but were ruled out of bounds, and they got a second chance at it. And they got a good look at a three with about two seconds on the clock that hit the back iron. Really a, a well-fought game, kind of back and forth. Even the overtime was back and forth. You guys took the lead. They took the lead back. You got the lead back again. What, what were you thinking in those final 16 seconds, though, on the clock as, as, as they got probably a better look than you wanted them to get? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're just so talented that you're going to have to give up something to those guys. You know, you know how this game is, especially this time of year. You know, teams have great players, and those players can make plays. So we got to the point in that game, uh, based on how they play, that we just wanted to try to shut down the paint as much as we possibly could. You know, they had so many guys that could get in there and make plays around the basket and get to the free throw line that if we were going to give something up, it was most likely going to be a three. Um, you know, and the, and the look they got was a good look. You know, we definitely flew at it and tried to contest it as good as we could. Uh, fortunately for us, uh, you know, I think I could kind of tell when it came off his hand that it didn't look good, so it gave me a little bit of comfort when he shot it. <laughs> And then we tracked it down. Ty made a nice play to throw it down the other end late in the clock so they didn't have a chance to foul us. Yeah, that was that was a really smart play. Just ch chucked it down court so that there couldn't be a foul. Though technically there could be, but, I mean, it didn't seem like it would be. Right. You know, the one thing I'll add is, you know, how impressed with our guys I was. We had three starters fall out in that game. Wow. Uh, and, you know, really pretty early, too. You know, about five minutes left, the first one fouled out. Three and a half minutes left, the next one fouled out. And then, uh, you know, Matt Azella, one of our first team all-conference guys, fouled out probably about three and a half, four minutes left in overtime. So we were playing that entire game with three guys. Uh, without three of our starters, we have injuries to other starters. A lot of guys, that you know, 
our eighth man uh, couldn't make it this weekend for you know personal reasons. So we had a lot going on. But those guys that came in and played those big minutes for us late in the game, I couldn't have been more impressed with. You know, they made huge plays, huge stops, huge rebounds. So it's just a total team effort, which was very impressive for us. So your reward is a familiar foe in Christopher Newport, who you took on in the uh, same round last year in the sectionals. That time, though, at Oswego. This time, a little bit more familiar grounds. You'll at least stay in New England, and you'll head on over to uh, Babson to play the game. It, as much as Christopher Newport's very similar to what they were last year, can you really fall back on last year, or do you have to take this kind of from a new point of view? You know, obviously I think some of the concepts um, will be similar, but I think you're really going to start from scratch. You know, uh, Tim Daly's had one heck of a year, player of the year in that conference. Um, you know, Marcus Carter, still Marcus Carter, but definitely a different team in terms of the roles that they have, and I think you can say the same about us. You know, uh, Ty Nichols has uh, really developed as a sophomore here. He's playing entirely different than he was as a freshman. We had some guys graduate, that kind of thing. So I think you got to really build it from the ground up. You know, you can use some of, you know, what they do on offense and what they do on defense from last year. But other than that, the game plan is going to be pretty much built from scratch. Um, you know, they're, they're tremendous. They're as good as any team that will play all year. Um, but I think, again, it'll give us some comfort knowing that, you know, we've played them in the past. We've been competitive in the past. And uh, hopefully we can play our best and, you know, stay competitive and be competitive in this one. Quickly about your season, kind of a, as we as you indicated at the beginning, we talked about a little up and down. Uh, you guys off to a good start, a lot of high expectations for this team after what happened last year. You won the first four out of the gate, uh, first five I should say out of the gate. Then lost four or five, including Mass Dartmouth in conference, LaSalle, Mass, uh, I'm sorry, WPI and New England. Um, I guess coach didn't like you at WPI. Um, didn't didn't want to treat you to a to a win there. Uh, then got back on the horse, won four straight. Really won uh, eight out of nine. Rhode Island College tripped you up. Then it was right back to the, to to the rough spot. You went um, losing three of the next five. It, just back and forth, up and down. Is it just been a testament of just the grind of a season? Was it was it a testament maybe to the pressure that came from what happened last year? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's a little bit of both. You know, I think the the conference is, you know, as deep as any conference that I know of in the country. You know, you have to show up day in, day out. Um, you know, the team that shows up and plays better that day is the team that wins. You know, I'm not sure it's necessarily that way in every cro- in every conference across the country. You know, on top of that, I do think it has to do with some of the success that we've had over the last couple of years. You know, teams know that, you know, we won the conference championship two years in a row and, you know, and all that good stuff. So we're going to get teams best when we show up and play. And if you take teams lightly or, you know, don't show up as focused as you should be, then oftentimes the team that, that's, that's more ready to play, the team that plays better that night is the team that wins no matter how talented you are. So I think we went through some of those growing pains. But, you know, when the bright lights shine, something about the guys that we have on our team, uh, they just come together, they play for each other, and they play their best when it matters the most. Well, that's the truth. Lights shine for the, for the most part. I know you haven't had much of a chance to look at Christopher Newport or, or know what to expect, but is this a, a style where, I mean, I'm going to basically take it. Is this one where you try and control the tempo like you did Amherst, or is this one where you can be reactionary like you were against Ramapo? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a little bit of both. You know, I think we'll try to jab a little bit, and I'm sure they will as well. Um, you know, it's both teams have different styles, but I think both teams can play different ways. You know, I think you've seen games from both teams where you're playing in the 60s and you're playing games in the 90s. So we'll see how this one plays out. I'm sure each team's going to try to get to what they want to get to. So it's whatever whatever team can do what they do better. Um, it's going to be a great matchup, and I really believe that. And I think it's neat that we're in the same situation playing the same team. Um, should be a lot of fun. 
Uh, we'd be remiss not to mention some of the guys on the squad before we let you go. Leading uh, scorer, Ty Nichols, uh, 18.5 points a game, five rebounds a game, shoots about 37% from the floor, also 2.5 steals a game and five assists a game. Uh, 15 points from uh, Matt Ozella. Uh, Edwards has 12.2. Lunn has 11. Uh, Wright has uh, 10.7 points a game. Granted, Lunn and Wright uh, haven't played um, probably about a thir- two thir- or a third of the season they've missed. Um, but you certainly have enough weapons to go to for a team that's averaging 82.5 points a game. Yeah, we have plenty of weapons. You know, I think we're very balanced as a basketball team. We have a lot of guys that can score it. So if we play unselfish and play together, I think we'll have some opportunities to get some looks. You know, hopefully those looks drop. Uh, but, yeah, you know, our guys, you know, they, they definitely play for each other. I don't think we have any – any selfishness, I think we have you know, kind of one goal in mind, and that's playing our best basketball and getting a good look each time we touch it. And then on the defensive end, you know, they're able to put their egos and their talents aside and just play at a really high level you know, with a lot of focus and intensity. And uh, you know, obviously I think that's kind of a good recipe this time of year, playing good basketball. Well, I congratulate you once again on the, on the run here. Um, I can't believe two years in a row we're talking about uh, Keene State uh, knocking off a NESCAC and a new Mac, or an NJAC to get to the second round of the tournament. Certainly very impressive for you, uh, pretty um, good for the LEC as well. Uh, we'll, we're certainly looking forward. Hey, even on the women's side, we've got an LEC team still alive in Mass Dartmouth, so this is a great job by the conference. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuning in? No, just a couple quick things. Uh, I'd like to thank my assistants for all the work they put in. Those guys have obviously worked hard, like all the assistants out there. So I wanted to give them a quick shout-out. You know, Nate Stitchell graduated last year. He was a leading scorer. He's now joined the staff. Um, you know, Dave Hastings, a former high school coach, first year with me. Uh, he's doing a great job. And then my right-hand man, Tyler Hundley, uh, has worked really hard to get us ready to play game in, game out. Um, also wanted to thank you, Dave, for all the work that you do and your crew over at D3 Hoops. You know, um, for Division Three basketball, you guys do quite a bit, and we appreciate it. And then uh, last but not least, I'd like to thank the Keene State community, Keene community, uh, friends, family, alums for all the support, and hope to see everybody at Babson this weekend. Very well said, sir. Congratulations. We should point out that interim tag was certainly well-deserved uh, well deserved to be removed from you. You earned it. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate it, Dave. Yeah, thank you. Doubled I had to go through the interview process, but it went pretty smooth. Yeah, I know you had to go through the process, but at least it doubled down and, and you, got, uh, you were rewarded with another season you're having like today. So congratulations. Good luck against Christopher Newport, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Yeah, thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Look forward to it. Absolutely. Ryan Kane joining us from uh, Keene State. The reference WPI, if you're not following, he played at WPI. Coach Bartley still there, obviously. Uh, congratulations, the Owls. It's it's pretty impressive. It's You just can't count them out, plain and simple. And I've learned my lesson. Next time I see Kane State, it does not matter what I do. I will put them into the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. doesn't matter who they're facing. It could be the number one team in the country. I don't care. Putting them into the second weekend. That's what we will do from now on. We've learned our lesson. Uh, going to keep going along. I know we got some more questions, and we will get to those, and we will and we'll answer your questions when we can. Coming up, another Cinderella, Wartburg. They were sixth in their conference tournament. They won the IIAC, and then they knocked up knocked off the two top two top ten teams by a total of fifty nine points. What is with the Knights? Coach uh, Path joins us me joins me coming up to talk about what's going on with the Knights, and then when we come back, we will wrap up with your questions as well. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. Defining Moments. 
championship dreams. Share the experience with your family and friends. The 2017 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 17th and 18th at the Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets for your tickets today. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I uh, hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions, we've been telling you all show how to get a hold of them. Coming up in the final segment of the show, we will answer your questions if we haven't already. Um, and also look ahead at next weekend. Probably answer more of the questions on what happened on the women's side, on the decisions to host, and maybe talk more about how it all happened. Uh, in the meantime, let's continue our interviews and and talk about, really, tonight always ends up being about the Cinderella's a little bit, those who made waves. If there's one Cinderella who probably is the most shocking, and I don't mean because they won, but it, by how they won, it would be Wartburg. The Knights uh, not only won the IAC as the sixth seed, they get in the tournament and they have done massive damage. Beat both number 10 Benedictine and number 4 River Falls. And it's not the fact that they beat them. It's the fact they beat them by a total of 59 points. Neither of these teams apparently stood a chance against the Knights. Is that the accurate representation? Who knows? Let's go to the Hoopsville uh, hotline sponsored by the city of Salem and find out if that's the case. Dick Peth join, uh, joins us on the show to talk about his nights. Coach, um, pretty darn incredible. Well, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having us. Uh, it was a great weekend for our team. I'm, as I told our guys, I'm, I'm happy for all of them, but I'm elated for our seniors to advance. Um, it is pretty incredible. I should point out, I've already screwed up the last name. It's, it's Paith. I, I'm going to probably make it up right. six ways a Sunday. And I apologize now in advance, but I <laughs> know uh, congratulations to this team. And, and as you said, congratulations to the senior class. I mean, tough season. The, uh, IAC was a little bit different this year with the inclusion of Nebraska Wesleyan certainly made things a little bit different. You guys were eight and eight. The end of the IAC season was all over the place. Um, you know, Buena Vista is leading it at one point, then they tail off. You got Nebraska Wesleyan in the court. I mean, it was it was a little bit topsy turvy to to come out of that and win the conference title. I think was probably celebration enough. But now you've gone and done this. 
Well, I think it's uh, very reflective of how our league did well in the non-conference schedule this year. Each and every one of our teams had great wins against very, very good teams. And uh, with that said, you know, to go out, uh, to go through the course of the year, uh, you have to avoid those intangibles to be able to finish on top. And and some of our teams, including ourselves, you know, we had a few injuries uh, right around the new year, all the way up till close to the end of the conference season. And we are healthy at this point in time. And also our hats off to uh, the other teams in our league for performing as well as they did. Um, we, we just didn't get it done on occasion in some very close games throughout the course of the season. Uh, very close games ended up in, in absolute blowouts <laughs> this weekend uh, at River Falls. First off, you come in and, and you just slice through Benedictine, shooting the lights out of the building. Um, and then you face River Falls, who had had a double overtime thriller against Bethel the night before, and you continue that hot shooting. If there's one thing I know about the game is, one, when a team gets hot, they're hard to stop. But the second thing is that can be night to night. That, that doesn't necessarily translate into the second night. You guys, what's the secret behind the shooting right now? Well, I don't think there's any secrets. I, I think our guys are just playing with a lot of confidence uh, through the conference tournament at the end of the year. And with that said, we got off to a very good start in uh, the Benedictine game. Uh, one of our senior uh, point guards, uh, Nick Weber, got us off to a great start hitting some big baskets uh, from both mid-range as well as three-point line. And, and you're correct. Uh, we shot it extremely well from the three-point line. Uh, we liked how efficient we were in both those games and, and then continued to shoot it well again on Saturday night against River Falls. When you looked at at Benedictine and then when you went on and looked at River Falls, did you think that, that you had uh, opportunities there to to take advantage of, or did this end up coming down to shooting? Well, we took a look at, at both those teams, and they are just much bigger and stronger in the post area than what we are. Uh, we're more lanky, more finesse-oriented there. So we tried to stretch the floor a little bit, uh, tried to get their bigs to, to be on the move a little bit more than maybe normal. And uh, in the long run, it, it was really a benefit for us. But uh, we played two great teams, uh, you know, Benedictine coming off the championship game from a year ago and, and being ranked in the top ten, and then River Falls having a great year in the WIAC. And uh, so we just feel very fortunate. I know with uh, River Falls, they played an outstanding Bethel team the night before that went two overtimes that I really think in the long run was probably a benefit for us. When you, I mean, the excitement has got to be crazy. I know we're actually talking to you earlier in the afternoon, uh, and you've just gotten back to campus, so I don't know if, if, you've, if you've sensed the palpability of this, but it almost feels like Wartburg knows how to go through this. The women were the four seed last year. Heck, two of their players were off playing softball uh, when they got the call that they were in the NCAA tournament. You were the sixth seed. At least you won the championship this time, so there wasn't any question of whether you were getting in, but you seem to be taking a page out of their book right now. Well, we, we hope to take a page, another page out of yeah. that. They had a tremendous uh, finish to their season last year going to the Final Four. And as you mentioned, they thought their season was over with after they lost in the first round of the conference tournament, but yet had a second chance and took full advantage of that. And then turned around and uh, won the league the, uh, this year, the IAC, and, uh, in commanding form, and then had a very tough draw in their first round. Uh, against Chicago U this year, that a, a game that went down to the wire. 
fascinating you know season for you guys almost a tale of i would almost call it three stories the beginning of the season out to a really good start before christmas only one loss you suffered your second one on on december 20th against north central in double overtime second uh, story of the season through mid-february is anything but you really struggled uh losing seven of the eight losses that you had uh and then the third story's been since mid-february kind of re recapturing what that first se- uh, part of the season was like back-to-back wins over Buena Vista and now what you're doing in the uh, NCAA tournament a weird question here but what is your team is the team the one we saw at the beginning and now we're seeing at the end or was your team more about the middle and and you just happen to have things go right well I, I think you said it correctly in that we played very well uh, up through the first part of the new year uh, we were 10 and two uh, we actually beat uh, two NAI schools during that stretch, so two scholarship programs. And then um, we, we weren't able to avoid those intangibles. Uh, we had a couple of guys banged up a little bit, key guys. Uh, three of our top four scores went, went through some tough stretches physically, and uh, now they're back and healthy, and uh, everything just seems to be gelling very, very well. And, and again, I think the success we had in the conference tournament really gave us some confidence going into our games this past weekend when i mean you're a high scoring team you've got four players in double figures led by jordan cannon uh 16 points a game four and a half rebounds shoots uh 50 from the floor 38 from beyond the arc jaron sabas uh 14 points a game shoots 47 percent from beyond the arc doesn't take a lot of shots but when he when he shoots he hits uh nick weber an outside shooter as well along with nate Nate Worcester, uh, also an outside shooter. So all four of your guys in double figures are outside shooters. You're averaging 85.5 points a game. You're allowing 80. It feels like you're a team that has to go out and shoot your way through a game. Well, we like to play up-tempo, Dave. Um, and, and Jordan Cannon is second on the all-time career scoring list. So a phenomenal player for us. Uh, Jaron Sabas, who you mentioned, our second-leading scorer, is coming off the bench for us as a sophomore. Uh, he had a phenomenal uh, postseason conference tournament, scored 35 points in, in the semifinal game. And then our third leading scorer, Nick Weber, our, our starting point guard, uh, became a 1,000-point scorer here back at Nebraska Wesleyan about a month ago. And then Nate Wasty, uh, our fourth guy in double figures, uh, started about midway through his freshman year and, and just played phenomenal this weekend. He was an amazing on the offensive end as well as the defensive end. Uh, so you, I know you haven't had a chance to scout. We're not going to ask you for a scouting report on Augustana, but it's not like you're unfamiliar necessarily uh, with the Vikings. Uh, they're probably one of the closest teams you, you can get to uh, when, it's, when it's not conference play. Um, but you guys kind of are in a little bit of uncharted territories. I know, I know Warburg's not unfamiliar, but certainly this, this, this team is. How do you approach next weekend? Well, we embrace the opportunity. Uh, we try to relax and just go play the game the way we preach it every single day. Uh, we know we have some common opponents that we played throughout the course of the year. That central region is a very, very tough region. And uh, prior to uh, going into, obviously, this weekend, we had already played Oshkosh. We had already played Eau Claire. We had played North Central, as you mentioned, uh, down in Fort Lauderdale in the tournament. And uh, it, it was almost like the CCIW was very similar to the IAC this year in the postseason conference tournament in, in that the three and four seed advanced to the championship game and, and our five and six seed made it to the championship game. So 
Uh, a lot of similarities there. We know they've had tremendous success, uh, won a national title a couple of years back, and we know we're going to see a great team no matter who we play at this point in time. Um, it's certainly a, a fun story when we get these. Um, I, well, how's the team reacting? I mean, I know they're excited. I realize that. But uh, is, is there a bit of a, an air of we knew we could do this, or is this more of an attitude of, heck, anything's possible if we can win these two games? Well, I, I don't think they're thinking, heck, anything's possible. I think they're very confident. Uh, the thing that really allowed us to have success here as of recent is that I, I think our senior leadership really stepped up. And they have more of a voice now than what they had earlier in the year. And they're holding their teammates more accountable. Mm-hmm. And that has been huge for us. Uh, and then, you know, secondly, they just have trust and faith in each other on both ends of the floor and more so than we've had uh, going into the last two weeks. You know, well, it's an amazing story to see what this team has done in the NCAA tournament. Again, Coach, 59 points, uh, combined win over two top 10 teams. I, you, There's no way you drew this up. Well, we're, we're a little bit surprised ourselves. I, I kidded our guys last night to, to just keep it early so we or keep it close early so we have a chance. And, and boy, we just uh, did a tremendous job in the first couple of minutes, had a double-digit lead, and, and we kind of laughed about it after the game from the standpoint that we, it was uh, our hope to keep it close, not from the standpoint of our, our opponents, certainly. But uh, just really excited to advance. Uh, couldn't say more about our seniors and, and our upperclassmen and the leadership they've been providing. Before I let you go, at any point in either game, when did you realize this is done, we're, we're moving on? And that's no disrespect to the, other, the opponents, but was there any point in either game you just kind of thought to yourself, this is, this is ours? Well, not till the last probably two minutes of each game. And, <laughs> and uh, in, in the first game, you know, I think we had a, uh, 25, 26 point lead uh, late in the game, and so we were able to get some of those guys in at, at the end of the bench that normally don't get a chance to play. And and very same thing last night uh, versus River Falls. And again, two great teams. Uh, we were just very fortunate. Well, Coach, thank you so much for taking the time. Congratulations on a terrific run. I I I wouldn't be surprised if you're down in the women's office uh, this week, just getting some tips <laughs> uh, on how to keep this run alive. But Congratulations. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, we're just excited to be a part of it, to advance. Uh, I have a lot of confidence in the young men in our program. They've represented us very, very well, both on and off the court, and uh, we look forward to the weekend. Bravo to them. Bravo to you, Coach, and good luck uh, this weekend. Appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much, Dave. Dick Paith joining us from Wartburg, 21-9 and overall, but it's the uh, – it's the last seven that you should be the most worried about. Uh, started with a win over Dubuque, back-to-back wins over Buena Vista, uh, into the NCAA tournament beating two top tens. I can't say it enough. By 59 total points, 92-66 over Benedictine, 76-43 over a pretty darn good River Falls team. Their reward, they'll take on Augustana. That game will be at Hope. Should be a great atmosphere and a good game on Friday night as well. When we come back, plenty more hoops, Phil. Uh, lots to talk about uh, still here on the show, so come back and join us. You're watching Hoops Hill presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More hoops when we return. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. 
and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're at D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. At George Fox University, our promise is that every student will be known, personally, academically, and spiritually. To be known means professors and staff know you by name. It means you're valued, encouraged, and challenged. It means we'll listen to you and with you as you pursue God's call in your life. At George Fox University, you will never be a number. You will be known. Visit georgefox.edu to learn more. Defining moments. Championship dreams. Share the experience with your family and friends. The 2017 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 17th and 18th at Van Nord Arena in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Visit NCAA.com slash tickets for your tickets today. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Hello. My name is Dave McHugh, and I am the creator and host of a video podcast called Hoopsville. And this is our studio. Hoopsville is the only show of its kind. We focus on Division III basketball and are currently in the midst of our 14th season on the air. When we started in 2000, none of this existed. We were an audio-only show, reading scores, reacting to games and teams we really didn't understand or appreciate, but trying to give Division III basketball something. The show has grown every year since. Eight years ago, we moved into this studio in my own home and continue to grow the show. The once-a-week show has become a twice-a-week show. It's now two hours minimum a show. With a 12-hour marathon program, NCAA tournament selection special, which usually lasts six hours, a bracket breakdown special that usually lasts a few more hours, and other specials throughout the season. And the show is now a must-watch in Division Three basketball. We also take this show on the road. We've been to 16 consecutive Division III men's basketball Final Fours, along with a women's Final Four and both Division III championship games at Division I sites, 2013 in Atlanta for the men and last season in Indianapolis for the women. The men's championship weekend coverage has expanded the last three years to live pregame and postgame coverage courtside for each of the semifinals and the championships, just as if we were a major television network courtside or on the field of a major championship. We also travel to schools and conferences around the country, even doing the show live on location. Earlier this season, we were on the court at, Mc at Roanoke College and their brand-new facility right after the men's team had played a conference game. We've been able to do much of this thanks to contributions from people like yourself. Whether you're a fan of Division Three, have a son or daughter who plays or coaches in the division, maybe you're an alum of a Division Three program, you might be a coach yourself, or you simply appreciate our efforts to shine a light on a division and the student-athletes in it. Did you know Division Three is the largest division in the NCAA? 
There are 441 schools who play women's basketball, 426 who play men's, but they only get a small percentage of the media's attention. These student-athletes don't get athletic scholarships to play basketball. They play because they love the game and are good enough to play in college. Only 6% of high school athletes play any sport collegiately. Less than 4% play basketball on the collegiate level in any division. Majority of those choose Division Three. That's why we're passionate about covering these teams and shining a spotlight on their successes as well. This isn't our job, but we treat it like it is. We want to make the teams, coaches, student-athletes, fans, and even the schools themselves feel like someone cares about the effort they're putting in each day, even if the school isn't going to end up with a championship. So on each show, we interview coaches, student-athletes, regional reporters, and administrators about what is going on around the country and how our teams performing. From Maine to Washington State, from California to Georgia, not to mention from Minnesota to Texas, we cover every region, every conference, and try and talk to as many teams as possible. But we can't do it without you. We consider our fundraising efforts to be very much like public television. This show is for you. And whatever you are able to donate allows us to keep doing the show. From upgrading, maintaining, or buying new equipment, to traveling to schools and regions to better cover the sport, to even paying the bills that accumulate for running this show. You know, the Internet is not free. So as a token of our appreciation, we will thank you publicly for your support, even send you a T-shirt or other Hoopsville swag. Maybe even interview a guest of your choosing or even yourself about why you love Division III basketball so much. It's your choice. We appreciate your support. We value our fans as much as we value the coaches and student-athletes who are trying every day to do their best and compete. So please consider helping us cover Division III basketball the way we believe it deserves to be covered. And don't forget to tune in to Hoopsville Thursday and Sunday nights starting at 7 p.m. Eastern or watch it on demand, or listen to the podcast. Because if you want to know about Division Three basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsville. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Defining moments. Championship dreams. Share the experience with your family and friends. The 2017 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 17th and 18th at the Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets for your tickets today. When George Fox University was founded in 1891, its creators envisioned two things, a challenging educational experience and a community where students could deepen their faith. 125 years later, the core of who we are remains unchanged, and our focus on the whole person, our Be Known promise, remains as vibrant and relevant today as it was back then. At George Fox University, you'll never be a number. You will be known. I used to never really talk. Ever. 
Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we wrap up our show here on Sunday night. I want to thank you for tuning in. Really exciting weekend of basketball, to say the least, uh, as we talked about at the beginning. Upsets, excitement, um, lots that went through. It's probably what we what we draw up. You know, maybe our favorites get knocked out, and 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 maybe some of the teams we thought we would see make a run for national championships will not now. But we at least got exciting basketball. We at least had some fun here, and that's the least we can ask for, is it not? Um, it's going to be fun. We got now. Here's the thing. Something I got a question about this. Talking about the host sites. You know, the host teams only advance about forty seven percent of the time. Someone pointed out, well, when you got four teams, everybody's got a 25% chance of moving on. Well, technically they do when, when in the Sweet 16, that number changes in the Elite Eight um, as the home teams then have a 50, 50 chance. Um, here's here's what I, my adage on this is. On both the men's and women's side over the years, we've only seen about 47% of the home teams move on, which means less than two teams a year who host will move on. Um, it's there's this idea that it's a home court advantage, and that's not necessarily the case. Uh, a lot of these teams are road road tested, road warriors in some extent. Some of them have gone on the road to boost their SOS uh, to do this. So, you know, if we look ahead, and I'll certainly give you my idea of how I think this is going to shake out. You know, Babson at Babson on the men's side, you got Christopher Newport, Keene State, Babson, and Tufts. You got three perennial or not perennial, but three top 25 teams there um, along with Keene state who was on the, in the top 25 early this season has certainly been there, but you've got the number two team in Christopher Newport, the number three team in Babson, the number 14 team in, uh, in Tufts. So you're going to have good games in Holland. You got Wartburg, Augustana, Hope and Hanover. Well, you've got the number, um, 12 team in Hanover. You got the number 18 team in Hope. You got Augustana, who's not ranked, but has dabbled with the rankings. Uh, they're getting votes right now. Um, and you got Wartburg, who's the wild card. So you're going to have some good games there. In Middlebury, Middlebury has flown into the top 25. They're now sixth in the country. Endicott's been in and out of the top 25, not currently there. Are they getting votes? Uh, they're getting, nope, I'm sorry, Nichols was getting votes, not Endicott, interestingly enough. But they've been in and out of the top 25. Susquehanna and Williams have, have been in and out of the top 25. Um, so you've got, uh, you know, a, a lot of good basketball there. Williams is getting votes right now. Susquehanna is number 17. And then at Marietta, you've got the number one team in the country in Whitman. you got Harden-Simmons, who's not in the top 25, but has been getting votes, mainly because I've been voting for him, so I know they're getting votes. Um... You've got Marietta, who was number one at one point, in the, or at least in the top ten at one point. Now they're or top five. Now they're top seven. And you got Rochester, who was up in the top five at one point. Uh, currently, they are thirteen. What I'm getting at is, you've got a lot of good teams, so anybody can come out of these. Um, and being at home is not an advantage necessarily. And Marietta, it's going to be a huge advantage just because the crowd. So you would think, but two teams are going to play without the crowd. 
And then they're going to get the crowd the second game if Marietta gets past the first time. I last year to the NCAA tournament second day at Marietta after they got knocked out of the first round. There were 20 people total in that gym, not counting the teams. So there's another point of view. If you knock out the host, things get a little bit easier. So, you know, it's hard sometimes to be the host. You and Christopher Newport talked about it last year, how being on the road might have been a blessing because they weren't distracted. Tickets and, and hosting duties and changes to their schedule and adjusting to blah, 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 blah. There, there's hosting things taking place that will that can cause excuse me, distractions. Amherst, Babson, Mass Dartmouth, New Paltz on the women's side. Well, you got Cinderella's in, in Dartmouth and New Paltz, so one of them is going to go on to lead eight. How great is that story? you got the number one team in Amherst on the women's side. And you got a Babson team, um, who I don't even think was, uh, definitely wasn't in the top 25, may not even been getting any votes. So in theory, Amherst should move on. Uh, Ohio Northern on the women, uh, Ohio Northern, Geneseo, Christopher Newport, and Hope. Uh, I believe all, all four of them are in the top 25. Um, Geneseo comes in at 20th. Uh, you've got Ohio Northern at 5. You got Christopher Newport at 10. Uh, and you got Hope at 18. So that's a heck of a bracket that's going to take place at Ohio Northern. Wash U, Oshkosh, Scranton, and Tufts, another nice mix. Wash U's 9. Tufts is falling to 14. Or I'm sorry, I'm looking at the women, the men's side. <laughs> Wash U's 9. Tufts is 4. I apologize. Um, Scranton and Oshkosh. Scranton is 17. Oshkosh is 13. So two of your pods are all top 25s. Um, and then in the upper corner, St. Thomas, Marymount, Whitman, and Trinity. What Marymount uh, just fell out of the top 25. St. Thomas is number two. Whitman has been in and out, but they're 16, and Trinity is number seven. So except for the Amherst pod, these are some pretty good ones. I don't think you're going to see a lot of hosts getting out. I, I, I'll, I'll give my predictions on Thursday, but it's something to keep in mind. By the way, I got this uh, email earlier about Amherst and just how good they are at home. Uh, this Amherst fan says the record at LaFrac since uh, Coach Gromacki took in 2007, including home hosting, is an incredible 165 and 2. Amherst, out of 167 games, has lost two at home since Gromacki took over. For the beginning of the record, setting 121 consecutive home wins, which began January 30th, 29, no record included hosting games to is 141 and 1 to date. And since 2007, their home record when they host is 28-0. and 0. Only two losses at home in 10 years, both of them by a point. Think about that for a minute for Amherst. Think about that. Since G.P. Gromacki took over, they've won 160-plus games at home. They have lost two and by total of two points. Insane. Insane. And nothing against Dartmouth, nothing against New Pauls, and nothing against Babson. I do not see that changing this weekend. I, Amherst, I, I'm, I hate to say this to the other three, but Amherst is going to have to beat themselves. Plain and simple. On the women's side. Really darn. Um... I'm really looking forward to seeing how this all plays out next weekend. On Thursday, I'll give you my ideas of who I think will win um, those games. 
I am on the call for the men's championship weekend, so I am not telling you who I think is going to win the national championship. Um, I will not make any picks in the final four either. Give you on my suspicion as who I think will get there, but that's where we will draw the line. But that will come up on Thursday. I can tell you coming up already, we got um, uh, on Thursday, we already kind of working on our guests. Um, talk to teams maybe we haven't talked to, believe it or not. We kind of start to hedge our bets at this time of year. It gets a little risky. We'll uh, hopefully get some good guests for you on Thursday from the group we haven't talked to. There's some we always don't talk to. Again, we're hedging our bets a little bit, and hopefully we'll be talking to them on Sunday as they move on. Many of you might want to know where I'm headed. I don't know yet. I can tell you I'd love to go to any. Usually I follow the men. We'll start there. So usually I don't end up at the at the women's locales. That said, um, I'd love to be at any of the four. <laughs> Uh, I've been to Hope, but not for men's basketball. I was there for the women's Final Four. I've been to Marietta, though, as I just said, it was for an empty gym, was it not? Uh, and I would love to uh, – I've not been to, to – um, uh, let's see. I have not been to uh, – I keep blanking – Middlebury at all, and I've not been to Babson at all. Um, Hope's about the only one that's a little too far away to make it an easy trip. I think it's about a 10-hour drive from me. Uh, and flights at this point might be a little too much off at the last minute. But that would be the only way I probably could get there easily. It might be by flight. Um, if I was headed, uh, Marietta is about five and a half hours. They're actually the closest team to me. Uh, Babson would be the second closest team to me. And then Middlebury would be the third closest in that order with Hope being the, the furthest. And I'd love to be in any of those three locations. I've been to Marietta, but I'd love to be in Marietta when Marietta's playing. <laughs> That'd be the first thing. Second of all, I would love to see, I saw Harden Simmons in Vegas. I would love to see Whitman in person. Haven't seen them in a number of years. And again, I saw them in Vegas. Um, and of course, on the other side of that pod um, is Rochester. And I've seen Rochester in person as well. So if I was talking about teams I have seen in person, none of those four qualify because I saw Marietta in person early this year. So I've seen those four in some capacity, two of them just this season. Uh, may not be as inclined. Doesn't mean I might not go. I'm just what ifs. Middlebury I saw in person a few years ago. Endicott never seen in person. Susquehanna I've seen in person. Saw them at McDaniel this year. And Williams I've seen, but it's been a few years. It was when they were the runner-up in the national championship. But again, I have not been to Pepin, and that might be kind of cool. Uh, if we talk about Holland, just in case, haven't seen Warburg. Well, I've seen Warburg way back in the day. Uh, I've seen Augustana in person. I've seen, I've not seen Hope, I don't think, in person in a long time. And Hanover, I haven't seen since the Vegas Classic a few years back either. So that would be kind of fun. And then, um, and then the uh, Babson grouping saw Christopher Newport earlier this year. So I'm in Salem, and then also earlier this year at the uh, Classic. Uh, I have not seen Keene State in person. Um, I saw Babson in person two years ago at the Final Four. And I've not seen Tufts in person. So I got a, I got a few options there to, to uh, check out. I'm not sure where I'm going. I think the decision will be made Monday, worst case Tuesday, and we'll figure it out from there. Reminder, we'll be back on the air Thursday, uh, 7 o'clock Eastern, then Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern. I do want to remind you of the Hoopsville Indi uh, campaign. Uh, we extended it to end early next week or this coming week, and that will be it. We can't extend it anymore. We've got a day left on this thing. We're 68% of the way to a goal. We kind of had a nice little run there uh, last week, and then it kind of fizzled out. Please consider uh, donating to the Hoopsville fundraiser. It will end hell or high water coming up um, tomorrow night, Monday night, 
I believe the deadline is midnight Pacific time on Monday. So that's it's actually a, a minute before men, midnight Pacific time. So uh, 2.59 in the morning on the East Coast. Um, you can get a T-shirt. You can even dictate who we're going to have a, as a guest on here. It's important to us. Um, right now, we're a few hundred dollars away from how much we raised last year, but our goal is higher than that. So please help us. 68% of the way to the goal. We'd love to, to finish off or at least come as close as we can to it. Uh, your donations mean a lot to us. We got a donation just a short time ago. I do want to mention that individual. Mike Blaine, thank you so much for your uh, donation. means a lot. We got a donation a couple of days ago from David Aronowitz. Thank you for your donation, sir. Very kind of you. Um, and the rest we mentioned. So um, please consider donating. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us stay on the air. It helps us pay a bill. This production computer's got to go in the shop. It's probably going to go. It may go as early as Monday, despite the fact I wouldn't mind holding on to the end of the season. I might have to get it in on Monday and get it taken care of. Uh, it struggled during the whip around shows. Speaking of the whip, if you liked them, please let us know. We'd love to hear what you thought of them. Uh, ways we can improve. It was our first chance to do it, and uh, we know we have some kinks to work out. We hope we can maybe improve them down the road. So let us know. We'd be fascinated to hear your thoughts on if you watch the whip around and what your thoughts on the whip around show uh, were. Uh, we'd appreciate it. Last chance for questions. Uh, I know I got another one I wanted to go check out in just a moment, so bear with me. Um, oh, here we go. Sean sends us an email. He says, sorry for tuning in late. I apologize if you covered these two questions about the men's bracket. Sean, let's take it on and see what it is. Who's the biggest surprise uh, to you the team's still in? Well, I think we you can certainly start with Keen on uh, just the fact, but I guess we can't really be surprised, should we, uh, that they're still playing. But Warburg would probably be the biggest surprise. I think that's a, an easy one. There's a lot of teams I thought might lose early on, but uh, I don't think we expected Wartburg to to score, you know, outscore their their two top ten opponents by fifty nine, you know, beating Benedictine ninety two sixty six and then beating River Falls seventy six forty three was not on the board. So I think Wartburg's my biggest surprise. I'm certainly surprised Endicott is into the second round. I thought they'd get past Salisbury, and if not, they'd they'd have trouble with Newman. But they didn't see Newman, and they had, you know, they a low scoring affair with Salisbury seventy one sixty six, and then just blew the doors off of Nichols seventy five. So. Um, certainly impressed that they are there. Uh, otherwise, I'm not overly surprised. I think Augustana had just as a good a chance as anybody else to get out of their pod. Whitewater, Augustana, and St. Thomas, um, you know, two of the former champs in Whitewater and St. Thomas, and Augustana got past both of them. But again, I thought it was a, a pick em coming out of that group anyway. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with Hope. I thought Wash U would come out of that, but I'm not shocked that Hope has come out of that. So Warburg would probably be the answer. What do you think of Augustana's chances of making the, the Final Four? Uh, Sean, to be honest with you, I think they can maybe get past Wartburg if Wartburg cools off, but then they're going to have a beat of a game in Hope or Hanover. But considering the big boys have been knocked out, and those being Wash U and River Falls, I think Augustana's chances are are increasingly higher than they are increased, have increased to being far higher than they were uh, when we started this weekend. I, you know, if they had to face River Falls, or WashU was still in this thing, I don't think their chances would have been as good. But I certainly think they're much better now. I think it would be extremely ironic for Augustana to get back to the championship weekend this year after missing out last year. I think that would be an incredible story that they had finally got in 
despite missing it the year we all thought they'd be in the national championship game and two years after being in the championship game. So um, I'm pretty impressed. I think they got a good chance. I think that pot is wide open now. Now it's at Hope, and that is going to be the drawback. Um, student body doesn't go on spring break yet, so that place should be hopping. They could fill it with 3,500, though the way they have to spread out the tickets, it's not necessarily going to happen. But Hope Hanover should be a fascinating game. Warburg Augustana, going to be a good game too. But, you know, how's going to be the question? Um, so I think Augustana's got a pretty solid chance. We'll see. We'll see. Um, trust me, their, their chances are far better than they were uh, at the beginning of this tournament. I'll say that much for sure. I want to see where this other question was. Oh, has Whitman impressed? Watch Chris uh, Claremont with Scripps versus Whitman game. It was my first either team this season. How has Whitman looked, in your opinion? Has Whitman impressed you thus far? Whitman worries me, actually. I got him as my number one. It's a unanimous number one pick. They're undefeated, and I felt that they deserve to be number one. The problem is they worry me, and they worry me greatly. Um, and I know Whitman fans are going to roll their eyes at this, but I I worried this about Salisbury. I've worried about this other teams. They tend to play to their opponent. Now, I know that's not necessarily fair with the Rhodes game. Rhodes plays a, a, a bit of their own version of the system. Uh, and Rhodes went up-tempo and certainly got them into a game. And they're comfortable going up-tempo. And they eventually won that game 111-98. The problem with Scripps was Whitman was not in control of that game until midway through the second half. And I felt, as good as Claremont Mud Scripps was playing, Whitman should have been in control the whole time. I felt like they let Claremont Mud Scripps control the tempo for too long. Um, and then they were boneheaded down the stretch. I mean, a, a technical foul on a breakaway by Claremont Mud Scripps. You've got the lead to give the ball, you know, on the free throw line to shoot. And I think got the ball back. It's just dumb. And I worry Whitman's on the edge. And and Coach Bridland, Bridgeland almost lost it on Saturday. I mean, he did lose it on Saturday, but he nearly cost his team. Halfway through the first half, he doesn't like some idea what it was, mainly because the camera angles were changing constantly, but that's a whole other conversation. And he was going after an official who clearly was giving Bridgeland leash. The ref closest to Eric was trying to shut him down, trying to calm him down, and Eric was ignoring the guy. And the guy gave him a couple minutes, and then finally... He had enough of Eric basically going at the ref, coming back, going at the ref, coming back, going at the ref, coming back, and blew the whistle. Eric continued and nearly drew a second. I mean, I don't know many officials that wouldn't have blown a second time for a second tee. If it hadn't been the second round, it probably would have been gone. He cannot do that in the tournament if his team's going to get to Salem. Plain and simple. They're going to face probably the toughest competition outside of Whitworth this weekend. You look at their schedule. They played Texas Lutheran. Eh, okay. Whitworth. They did play Marietta. And they're obviously going to Marietta. They beat Marietta by a point. They're going to Marietta. They're going to play Harden-Simmons and then Rochester-Marietta. This is the toughest weekend Whitman has had all season because nothing against the Marietta win. They had Kings on the other side. This weekend. The coaching staff has to remain cool. The players have got to step up. I'm not Whitman plays to their opponents too often, and they cannot do that here. Nathaniel Jack, Ford inside for Harden-Simmons, and some other players are going to cause some matchup issues. If they get past them, Marietta, 
And Marietta's improved from what they saw in the early part or late part of December. Or they've got Rochester, who's got one of the best guards in the game, and Sam Boris Smith, plus some good compliments. I worry about Whitman. I would love to see Whitman in the championship weekend, but they've got to keep cool. They've got to play their game, and they cannot play to their opponent's styles. They can't play to their opponent's abilities. They've got to play their style and play above it. If they do not do that, this is going to be a quick trip to Marietta. Whitman worries me greatly. Yes, they've impressed me, but they also Does that make sense? And Whitman's playing in an area they haven't played before. Remember, last year they got this far, but the expectations weren't there. Now the expectations are there. They're number one in the country. They are undefeated. They, they have people feeling, okay, here you go. This, this road is set up for Whitman to get to Salem. First Northwest team in men's basketball to get there, I believe. They can't let the emotions of the moment, and they can't let the situation of the moment blow this. Plain and simple. And I'm worried about Whitman. Speaking of coaches going off the handle, it was a classic game between Whitewater and Augustana on Saturday night, between two coaches who are known for their emotions and their tempers and their opinions to the officials. Coach Giamani, it looks like, you know, may have pushed himself a little bit too far late in the game, though there's debate he may have been yelling at a player, which is a Chuck McBreen special. He'll do Chuck McBreen will yell at his players. Everyone swears he's yelling at the officials, but in reality he's yelling at his players, and the officials know that, and they don't go tee him up. It's it's a little quirk that people should pay attention to. It, it, it's McBreen's not going after officials nine times out of ten. He's going after his players. So be it. And I think that's what happened with Gray. But Pat Miller got ticked off. There was a a one-and-one shooting scenario, and the referees confused it for two shots. And so when the first shot was missed, they blew the whistle to blow it dead, when in reality it should have stayed in play. Long story short, they met, convened, said, okay, it's not giving it to the team who had the rebound because we blew the whistle, which blew the ball dead. So we're going to make this a jump ball and rewarded the ball, um, I believe, to Augustana. It might have been given to Whitewater, which would tick you off because you lose a jump ball. Long story short, Pat had his say, and next play comes down, Augustana or Whiteman or somebody makes a shot. I, I've lost track, to be honest with you. Whitman, whip around was crazy. And Pat Miller said one more thing to the official about it, and he got teed up. And it's late in the game, and it's nip and tuck. At some point, you got to swallow your pride, you got to swallow your tongue, and you got to just ignore it. On. Have your say when the refs give you a chance and then move on. And I don't think Pat Miller grasped that moment, and I, and, and I think it cost his team. Um, I know that's a little bit rough to say, but you, you blow the momentum there. You give the other team a chance to score when the clock's not running. There's a lot of things there. And, and Eric was seven minutes left to go in the first half, nearly got kicked out of the game. You, this, is, this is nip and tuck now, and now it's time to go, okay, I'll save that for another time. It's not for now. Doesn't matter how bad you think your guy got robbed. At that point, you need to stop. And I hope that doesn't cost Whitman. I hope it doesn't cost other coaches down the line. That's going to do it for us. I don't see any of the questions that have come roaring in, so we're going to we're going to sign off a little a little later than I was hoping. Oh, got a quick question from uh, Stacy in Grand Rapids. Thank you, Stacy. That's got a quick question. Great coverage over the week. 
Thank you. Uh, are we seeing a new trend with the women's field having so many flights for the second weekend? Do you think we're getting closer to a Division One field where, uh, where we're more concerned in having great games and having better seating than different regions flying to different regions? Or is this a fluke year and next year will be more regionalized? I think it's a fluke year, but I don't think it's going to be more regionalized. And here's why I say that. We mentioned this on a previous show. The, the women's top teams are more spread out across the country now. Um, and I think it's forcing the hand of the committee. Amherst, Northeast, St. Thomas, Minnesota, Thomas Moore, Kentucky, Tufts, Northeast, Ohio, Northern Ohio, Washington, Louis, Trinity, Texas, Wartburg, Iowa, Puget Sound, Northwest, Christopher, Newport, Virginia. I mean, I'm just in the top 10 and I've named what? Six locations, uh, different locations around the country. DePaul, Indiana, Montclair, New Jersey, Oshkosh in Wisconsin, Gustavus in Minnesota, Trine in Indiana, Whitman in the Northwest, Scranton in Pennsylvania, Hope in Michigan, Bowdoin in Maine, Geneseo in New York. Now I'm in the top 20. There is a ton of different locations in women's basketball by the top teams. On the men's team, we have a lot of different locations, but we also have a lot of good teams just below those in the top 25, so a lot of teams can win. I think the women are a little bit where it's so spread out you have a good team in the Northwest, you have a good team in Texas, you have a good team in Minnesota, and you have a good team in, in Virginia um, that had forced more flights, plain and simple. I don't know. The other thing was they didn't have as many teams in the central and the mid in the in the, the eastern part of the West region to fill in. The, um, a lot of their teams uh, were coming out of the Great Lakes and Mid-Atlantic, which is hard to, to fill brackets in with. So I, I think it's a fluke. And the women paid for it in the first round. If if the women had been able to be a little bit more flexible in the first round because they didn't have as many flights in the second, then we would not have seen teams in the Northwest. And I know we've seen three teams in the Northwest before, but I'm going on the adage that let's say that the NCAA has loosened it a little bit, okay? So the men got one extra flight that we could see than the bare minimum the opening weekend. The opening weekend, if, if we had gone bare minimum, there would have been, I think, three flights. Four. And the Texas schools probably wouldn't have hosted is what I'm getting at. But they got to host and two flights came into them and you had two flights to the Northwest. So that was your four. Whereas if they had flown the two Texas teams out, um, they would have only had three. So the men flight because they don't have as many flights in the second weekend. We got two flights in the second weekend. The women had no extra, if you look at it, they really had no extra flights in the opening weekend. They had what they could have. That was it. And as a result, they have more weekend because they knew that was coming. I don't think, there was only one way I think we saw the bracket could have been done where you swapped a pot out for somewhere else and would have reduced the flights in the women's bracket by one. Notice, this is how restricted it is. Geneseo is not hosting because Hope ended up being a flight because they screwed it up. Uh, they didn't realize Hope really was a flight because they can't drive through Canada. If they weren't as concerned about flights, they would have left Geneseo's vote alone and had two flights. And granted, Christopher Newport might not have been a flight at 509 miles. They may have busted it instead, but that's my point. I think it's a fluke. Because we have a lot of teams around the country and it's, and it's a little bit more spread out than it's used to be. I do not think it's regionalized in the future because the good teams in women's basketball are still spread out around the country, if that makes any sense. You still have a good team in 
Texas. You still have good teams in the Northwest. The Great Lakes and the Mid-Atlantic have become a little bit more of the powers right now. I'm, I'm not discounting the, the Northeast and the Central. There's good teams there. They're just deeper in those two regions. And so I think that it's a combination of both in some ways. I do not think we're moving towards D1 in any way, shape, or form um, because we're still going to be restricted. We would love to see more good games, and I think we will continue to do that as the committees look at all of their options. And I think we'll still get a little bit of flexibility with flights because there appears to be a little bit more money that the NCAA is willing to spend. But it's not going to be carte blanche. Go D1. The other reason we're not going D1 is because we're not going to have neutral site places. Uh, we're still going to have problems in the Northwest. We're still going to have problems in Texas. But for the most part, it's spread out just a little bit more, just a wee bit more. And, and that, I think, um, is allowing us to see a little bit more creativity. Um, I'm told on the men's side there were three flights. Whitman, Harden-Simmons, Christopher Newport. You're right. I apologize. Uh, I said two flights. There are three flights. I forgot Christopher Newport's flying to Boston. So uh, three flights. But on the women's side, I think it's six flights. Uh, there's there's uh, three going to St. Thomas. Uh, technically, Christopher Newport going to Ohio North. Um, well, at least that's four. Um, let me quickly look at the women's bracket to make sure I'm right there. Well, we avoided some flights. I know that with some upsets. And the Amherst has no flights. Tough. Oh, oh, and we have two flights uh, to St. Louis. So we have we have uh, we have. One, two, three, four, five, six on the women's side. And, and again, you know, you might be able to move one pod and reduce that to five. I, I just don't, I don't, I don't see it any other way. Trying to wrap this show up. I got one more question from Sean. Um, let's see. Oh, I age big time watching my team play squeakers. Do you age watching the games? Uh, no, because I don't have a dog in the race. I don't tend to age watching games. Uh, I certainly enjoy it. You, we probably should have had a camera separate on us while we were dipping into games and not on air. We were we were having a blast in this studio during the whip around. I don't age during games anymore. I think I age when I'm rooting on my team, uh, and I don't have a team in the in the race. I haven't had a team in the in the in the chase for a very long time, and so it doesn't it doesn't affect me. I think I would I, I I'm a Cubs fan, so I aged last season for sure. I aged during the the NLCS and I and I aged during the World Series. Um, so in those cases, yes, but otherwise, no. I, I don't tend to age as a fan or as a or as a media member or or anything of the like. Uh, I enjoy it. I really do. I've aged this season, but probably for other reasons. I'm definitely a little bit more tired this season, but probably for other reasons than because of games. If that makes any sense. That's going to do it for us. We're going to sign off. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and sending us their questions. Really appreciate you taking the time. We'll be back here Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Already working on our guest list, but follow us on Twitter to find out what else is, uh, um, who else we'll have on the show uh, at D3Hoops. So, of course, follow us on Instagram. We, we promote it on show day there as well. At there as well in the hashtag hoops. So going to take off. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. We certainly did. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the programming over the weekend as well. If you got any more questions, you know how to get a hold of us. We'll be back here Thursday night, seven o'clock. We'll find out where we're headed. Follow me on Twitter to find out where I'm headed. Um, and we'll be back here Sunday night as well. Don't forget city of Salem host of the men's championship weekend. We hope you'll join us there. Uh, we'll be doing plenty of coverage there, including our pregame and postgame shows. We hope you'll take the time to join us and enjoy the uh, experience like we do. If you don't uh, plan to go to the men's, go to the women's in Grand Rapids. Should be a good time there as well. That's going to do it. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. And thanks to our
Of course, um, their sports information staffs as well, but especially want to thank Jamie Seward of SUNY New Paltz Women, Ashley Rogers of Marymount Women, Ryan Kane, Keene State's men, and Dick Path of Wartburg's men for joining us on the show. Also, thanks to the sports information staffs as well. You've been listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WB. ABC Studios. Thanks to D3Hoops.com, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches, City of Salem, and George Fox University for their support of Hoopsville. Also want to thank you for your support and a donation. One more day to get your donations in on the Hoopsville fundraiser for this year and maybe even get a t-shirt and some swag from us. Thank you for those who have donated. We greatly appreciate it. We'll see you back here on Thursday night. Good night, everybody.